Panago Pizza presents S-D-P-P, the Steve Dangle Podcast, with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Well, well, eventful 24 hours, I would say. A little bit. Um, but I think first we need to acknowledge the guy in the room, not the elephant in the room, Jesse but the Blake. guy in the room. He is newly yeah. in the intro, <laughs> yes. and I'm still Me. not over yeah. what an accomplishment that is. Thank you. His Thank new you. book is called uh, Before <laughs> the Lights Go Out, A Season Inside a Game on the Brink. His name is Sean Fitzgerald. He works at The Athletic, and he's here. Hey! hey. One of our, he's, also, he's also, I'm not going to lie, pretty good defensive shitty player. Not gonna lie. Oh my god. Sorry, was that Shinny with an N? Shinny. Shinny with an N. Shinny with an N. I thought I heard a T in there. I thought I might have heard. I thought I heard. Yeah, well, you never let him score, though. Well, no, we we went to that race for the puck once and we were both so out of gas that we couldn't actually (laughs) touch the puck once it got close to the net. Um, I mean, that hurt. I went for my asthma inhaler after that. <laughs> oh, yeah. there, I there took was beforehand, so I wouldn't see, have that's, to during that's the game. a veteran move, right? There was one moment during Shinny the other day where like the puck was in the neutral zone and no one went for it, and I'm like, okay, I think we're done. Yeah, <laughs> let's get yeah, off. Yeah, we were toast. We were pretty tired, but you know what? A lot of fun playing, and it was nice to have everybody out. Uh, Mike Stevens was there from Leafs Nation, and uh, uh, lots of folks. Yeah, lots of good people. It was, it was a great time. Now we've got. As I said, we've got a heck of a show lined up. Yes, we are going to talk about the Don Cherry. Yes, we are going to talk about uh, the Leafs last night, Crosby, the Flames. Um, I got a question about the Flames. Are they the Leafs West? I believe it. Or the Leafs Flames East? If you were to ask someone from the West, they'd be like, hey. No, the West has to take their cues from the East. That's how it works out. And uh, Robbie Fabry's looking amazing with the Red Wings. But first! (laughs) Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Steve Dangle Podcast. That was uh, Steve Dangle who said that. (laughs) Hi, Sean. Who wore the crown? So, uh, obviously, every every week we do this, or every show we do this. Live generously, life will treat you royally. Crown Royal has sponsored sponsored this segment because they want to know which leaf lives the generous life. Gives it all for the team. You can use your hashtag, uh, Our Town, Our Crown, to get your votes in for yours. Steve, I'm going to start you off. Best player on the ice for the Leafs. Fred Vember, baby. Keeps on <laughs> trucking. Fred Vember. October Freddy is done. Fred Vember is fully a go. Uh, that three-save sequence in the third was absolutely ridiculous, and he stole a point for the Leafs last night. Wow. Fred Vember. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald, what do you think? I liked, in a, in a really slow start, I mean, Freddie Anderson is, is obviously the answer here. I'm not going to duplicate it. I'm just going to say that before he went down, uh, Mitch Marner had a really good play at the end of a Jake Muzzin stretch pass, and that was like it was so quiet you could hear the electricity in the building kind of thing that night. Like they're down <laughs> one nothing. Jake Muzzin hits Mitch Marner on a stretch pass going across the blue line. He just misses it, and he's racing full bore for Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott pokes it away at the last minute, sends Marner flying, but it was the kind of hustle play that I mean you need that guy to make, and it was it was something that could have sparked it yeah. had he also not potentially obliterated his ankle shortly oh, thereafter. Man, that that was painful to watch. We'll look at that too. A uh, lot of people saying Willie Nylander, and I know somebody else who might, but I'm just going to say firstly, before we get to that, Travis Dermott to me, uh, coming back, like w- we saw what William Nylander looked like coming back December 1st, not from an injury last year. Travis Dermott is coming back from a six-month recovery process. Yeah, with an injury. Scored yeah. last night, but more importantly, has been making clean breakouts and great first passes and all the things that Travis Dermott was doing beforehand. And it's, like, I know they're warming him up. And I know they're getting him, like, you know, third third pair minutes minutes right now. 
But boy, does he look really good. And I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to hold him down back there. I thought Kelly Rudy had a really good breakdown last night. Like, shaky first few shifts, a couple giveaways. And then he started being a dick. Like, Travis Dermott <laughs> is, like, low-key a real jerk to play against. And then he obviously had the goal, and, like, it's just Red Bull for blood. Yeah. I love him. No, I don't know if anybody likes scoring more than Travis Dermott. Oh, uh, he should do it more. He should. Absolutely. Give it a shot. Producer Jesse. Yes. Sir, we need to know. I'm who dying to crown. Know. Who you crown? Well, it was a hard choice, but I think it has to be William Nylander. Oh, and not for any wow. reason that you guys think. <laughs> oh, I think okay. we have to give him credit for bailing out Austin Matthews, who once again <laughs> tried the lacrosse goal, <laughs> didn't get it, and had to pass it to William Nylander. <laughs> nope, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. Matthews did that on purpose. You think hmm? so? He 100% no. did that on purpose. He said after the game time. he did, and he said he tried to do lacrosse. It didn't work, so he just passed it. You've never told a lie? <laughs> I think Austin Matthews is lying. He's a dirty liar. He 100% set that play up knowing oh, yeah. that it would create space for William Nylander, oh, yeah. and Nylander got you the say, uh, best, the easiest goal of his career. You sound like a, a conservative pundit right now. You're like, Austin Matthews, liar or failure? <laughs> Austin Matthews, he, he uh, was behind the net trying to do the Michigan lacrosse goal there, and he sent a frog onto William Nylander's stick, and it went in. That's how I saw it. Was it a gay frog, though? It was, <laughs> yes. If you're known, Thank you, Joe Rogan. If yes, you it was. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the Alex Jones, the, the water's turning the frogs gay moment, okay? That's Which the joke. is... Not even on the Mount Rushmore of craziest <laughs> Shit things that he, that he has said. said. Yeah, no yes. kidding. No kidding. So, hey, listen, here's the deal. That's who wore the crown for this Welcome week. Welcome to the show, all, these, <laughs> all of the of the Our Town, Our Crown went to uh, William Nylander. And the reason for that is uh, that shootout goal that he had. Yes. That kept them in. I hate um, when a sexy goal gets wasted. I know. It, it was so sucks. good. The Giroux one was really good. It was. Like, good for him for doing the clapper. That was interesting because Freddie seemed upset about it. Were you were you in the yeah, locker no, room? I, last I think night? I, I was wondering. I, I can't remember who the next shooter was, but I was wondering if because I'd been at a game where you do a full clapper from inside the hash. Mm-hmm. Like the next shot on the penalty is their guy doing the exact same thing, right? And mm-hmm. I, I was kind of wondering, like, do they do that? It was in Buffalo a couple of years ago. It was in the Phil Kessel era that we don't talk about that much. No, um, and it, it it led to a brawl. And I was wondering, is the next shot going towards Elliot's head? <laughs> and it was, but but yeah, it's, no, absolutely. That was that was. One so audacious and two incredible because it did hit that top corner. It did. Yeah, yeah it's and it's amazing how close he was and Freddie was well positioned. Uh, it's like one of those code things that doesn't really come up because you so rarely see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it seemed like like a like a poorly timed uh, bunt. Or, or something yeah, baseball like that. is baseball. weird because there's a hundred of those little things, right? And people always Except try and break them. Doesn't take your pitcher's face off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that one hit Anderson's face, we're talking about like, hey, so who are the least going to have as a starter for the rest of the season? Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. if you could intentionally line drive a pitcher in the head. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, it was. Uh, I understand why he was mad, and I think the next Lee Flyers game might be interesting. Well, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, Dimitro Timoshov is probably going to throw a hit at some point in Whoa. the late first period to early second, and Man. we will forget about it by the third, but we'll <laughs> cheer in that moment. <laughs> That's who wore the crown for this week, brought to you by Crown Royal, as always. Next time the puck drops, why not? Why not? Live generously and treat your reliefs crew to a Crown Royal old-fashioned. So, we had a game last night, and then we had the segment within the game. The segment within the game is the thing that's taken over today, and I'm just going to leave it to the room. Do we want to talk about the game first, or do we want to talk about the segment? Uh, we should probably talk about what was said 
You want to talk yeah, about Yeah, that's the most Canada? important thing. You get okay. the most important thing first. So Don yeah. Cherry's uh, Don Cherry basically, uh, and we're going to just so you know, I can I I can play it off the board right now, but the the levels always suck. So what I'm going to have Jess, Jesse do is insert the file later. Can you do that of the audio? Yeah, uh, sure. Just yeah, so people can fine. hear it and people can see it one more time, so you can know what we're talking about. So we'll do that right now. You know, I was talking to a veteran. I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities and, you know, you, you know those the rows on rows, you people love, you, you they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you can pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. Anyhow, I'm going to run it again for you great people and good Canadians that bought a poppy. I'm still going to run it. Anyhow. Love you for it. I don't know what it is about the computer on this board. But it no, just does it's not. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, it's it's a bit of a nightmare, and we're still trying to get it fixed. But essentially, you heard you heard what he said there. It's about forty seconds, and what's you know, there's a lot of people who don't understand, and I think I think that we at least ought to go through why. Oh, I'm sure we'll hear from him. Sure. Um, yeah, because you know I'm a liberal puke cuck, whatever you call me today, uh, for not liking this comment. Puke, I, puke's old yeah, school. Puke's a, yeah, that's a new it's one. A, it's very uh, bully from Power Rangers. Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Anyway. Punk, you're punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, the, the 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 issue that people have is Don Cherry. It's not that he wants people to wear pop- poppies. You know, I think no nobody's going to argue him on that. That's an inarguable stance. They'll be except for if you're from Ireland, and that's a completely different story. Yeah, but well, you, that was one of the most ironic things in last night. I'm like, the only people I ever hear about it are Irish. Someone who I'm sure Don Jerry would never criticize. Right, exactly. Now the issue was, he said, all you people come here, yeah, and you like our milk and honey. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, and you like our way of life. These mm-hmm. guys laid down the law. You should be buying poppies. And I think. Uh, maybe it went under the radar to some, but I sort of caught it. The no one wears a poppy in downtown Toronto thing. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that yeah. was very pointed. That, that and it's, it's also downtown pointed Toronto. bullshit. It's, it's pointed it's... bullshit, but like, um, you know, Toronto, most multicultural city in the city. I, I, or city in the city. City in the country. I thought it was pretty pointed. Yeah. And um, the fact that he specifically said downtown. Yeah. yeah and you go to these small towns and I'm like... There's at least three dog whistles in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of them was louder than the other, I guess. So, and, and Sean, you've been on this story all day for The Athletic, have you not? Yes. Are we allowed to talk about that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and, and so, I guess... That's not out yet, is it? The Athletic? No, it's been up for about three years now. No. <laughs> it's a subscription site. It's uh, based in San Francisco. We have operations in markets across North That's America crazy. and the UK now. God. Oh, I hope oh, it works out No, thank you. No, it's just out. Yeah, it's good. No, okay. You should hire Merle. Yeah. I hear like it's really cheap to subscribe. It's yeah. great. It's basically a cup of coffee a month. We right. can talk about that more. You can insert that, <laughs> we can insert that audio later. It'll be amazing. <laughs> But the, the you know the thing full is, disclosure is that, by the way not to keep cutting you off here no, but no, no. I, oh, I do I, I live in Toronto and and I went a good long time without a poppy because it fell off yeah hmm. I think that's that's what we need to start talking it just it falls off like yeah I, I'm wearing it now yep I'll get up I'll sneeze it'll fall off yep I mean I have violent sneezes um, but, <laughs> yep. but it'll fall off? <laughs> well, I, I think part the, of the reason though they're they're meant to fall off because the idea is you go back and buy another one that was the that's what I what I have heard um, I think that's a 
tinfoil. That that is a worse conspiracy theory than Matthews didn't mean to do the whatever. Fair enough. Whatever it is, yeah. you know, I agree. I think uh, we had we had ones when I was on breakfast television that actually had a. Um, uh, Canada a, pin? Like a, uh, no, not a can. No, not a Canada pin. It's just a black. It was the same black inside, but it was um, it was one of those pins that has like a little clasp on the back, oh, and that way it didn't fall off smart. on camera, right? Yeah. Because you didn't want it to to fall off while you were on the air, right? Because uh, again, if you get if you're not if you're on the air without one, people are going to tell you oh, about it's it, bad. and that's fair. Um, so again, people are not. I don't think anybody would be upset with somebody going, "Hey, I'm not seeing enough poppies this year," and it's. It's, you know, it's hurtful and that, you know, let's remind ourselves why are we here, why we have our have the freedoms we have. I don't think anyone's going to disagree on that. The issue was you people. Yeah. You people that come here. And when when we talk about downtown Toronto or we talk about you people that come here, we know who we're talking about. Yeah. We know. We know what that means. If you are from here and you're or if you are like, you know, if you're born a Canadian, like born on this soil and you're not wearing a poppy, he's not talking to you. Well, and also... Even I, if you don't I, have a poppy. I was saying in the video today, like, my grandfather came here, my grandmother came here. He's not talking about them. No. He's talking about recent immigrants. Yes. From countries that are not the same well, I, culturally. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. And, it, and, and you know, obviously the reaction today has been huge. And I'm just going to read through a couple statements here, guys, before we really get into this. Uh, Sportsnet this morning made a statement. Um, and this is from the head of Sportsnet. This is, uh, this is Bart Yabsley. I said, Don's discriminatory comments are offensive and they do not represent our values and what we stand for as a network. We have spoken with Don about the severity of the issue and we sincerely apologize for these divisive remarks. I'm going to keep going. Hockey Canada released a statement. And this was actually just a few minutes ago. I'm glad you caught this, Steve. Yeah. Interestingly, in this, Hockey Canada does not call out Don by name. They say the hockey community does not stand for the comments made last night. Hockey is Canada's game because it brings the country together, be it around the television or at local arenas. Uh, belonging and inclusivity are an integral part of the game. Now, that kind of leads us into, Sean, your book, which touches on this a little bit, among other things. Uh, and some fun stuff. Yeah. 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 No, this is great. Yeah. But, no, it's. I was talking about Don Cherry in the book. Well, I was hoping there'd be more of a buffer there. No. It's, yeah. The thing. Okay. We'll I go just, in and out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah. fine. Uh, the Don Cherry thing. He said a bunch of stuff before. Hot take, right? Like he's talked about visors. He's talked about fighting. He's talked about francophones. A whole bunch of things. No. Yeah. I remember. Um, you know, Alpo, the dog food thing, like the the Winnipeg Jets uh, player way back. Go back and Google that. Alpo Suhonen. You call them Alpo, like the dog food. It's like he's got a track record of some really awful stuff. Um, this one. This one hurt people. Uh-huh. I talked to people today, like, like lifelong hockey fans. Like, and I talked to an Oiler fan. I mean, talk to people who've had a rough time watching hockey enough as it is lately. Um, and he's like, like I grew up in Windsor, and you know, I never knew walking down the street was today the day I'm going to get jumped again. Is today the day somebody's going to call me a name? Is today the day somebody's going to try and take my turban off? Like, we eventually had to leave Windsor. And now we live in Brampton, and it's a wonderful community, and it's 2019, and I thought we were past all this, and now we're not. Mm-hmm. What Don did yesterday was he othered people. He's on a national platform, and it's, you know, hockey is supposed to be very, like, hockey and Hockey Night in Canada is what people do historically. It's what, one of the things that link us together, and he othered the audience. He sat there and he said, there are, basically, there's my Canadians and you Canadians. And they're not the same thing and they're others. And that's what he did. Whether or not he intended to do it or not, that's what he did. And that is, that's bad. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Not to put too harsh a word on it, that, that's bad. Like you, you, you can't 
Mm-hmm. You can't conscionably do that because it ignores not only the history of all of the people who have come to this country who come from backgrounds where their grandparents did fight in these wars. Under empires that were under completely empires, out of their control. Yeah, yeah. And, and not, not fighting for their own liberty because they were under colonial rule at the time. Like bled on foreign soils for the cause that was fighting for this country. And pointed out that, you know, Don didn't really serve. Like he's done a lot of good stuff. He's, he's you know, in terms of veterans and, and, and the, the uh, activism that he's done to maintain their memories, but didn't serve. And what he did by othering them and neglecting their histories was he kind of erased them. It's like, well, you know, there's our Canadians and there's the other ones. Mm-hmm. And that, that diminished the other ones to a point that I'm still struggling to put into words, honestly. And I think that's what it is. And I'm not being, I don't think it's melodramatic. Like this, this one's a big one. Like what, this one isn't making fun of guys for not wearing visors or wearing visors or punching people or not punching people well, he used or to call mangling the, names. He like, used to call the French guys sweethearts and stuff like sure. that. Yeah, no, and I'm not diminishing no, how no, bad no. it's been to this point. But the difference is, is that this isn't something that he's doing that's retrograde on the ice in hockey. This isn't saying we need people to punch people in the face when we know chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Like this is, this is cutting to the, the core of like what it is to be Canadian somehow. And that's that's what's really wrong about this. That's why that's what like either you need an apology or you can't even apologize. Like, can I'm, you apologize for something? Like that? You can. And then it's up to the audience and it's up to Canadians to decide whether or not they f- want to forgive them or because not. It's, it's funny. You know, we, we talk about this and this is a completely different context. But a show like South Park mm-hmm. can get away with things because they've established a precedent where other shows cannot go there. Family Guy does this, too. Where they they go there on on jokes and it's like holy smokes wow now Don was not joking um, and this is a completely different thing but well the and there's no self aware the yeah. history that that has led to this I mean to, to be honest is anybody in this room surprised did anybody not sort of know that this is probably how he felt anyway based on some tweets that he had earlier this year about about uh, about murder in Toronto about, about crime in Toronto he was talking about that it wasn't just Toronto by the way you mentioned Mississauga where he lives. So he he brought up Mississauga as well. And that's important. That is important um, because Mississauga and Brampton, for those listening who don't live in the GTA, like those are Mississauga, Brampton are are two of the largest cities in Canada right now. Um, And and they are home to a a significant, you know, South Asian population. Um, So by saying Mississauga, like, and and then othering everybody who's not on Cherry, um, like that's that's an important thing that he just did and not in a good way. No. No. And for a company, and let's let's look at this from a pragmatic view for a second here. Business. Okay. We know that we know the social impact this had. And I, Sean, I think you put it in better words than any and the three of us could have said it. Um, That's not possible. No, I, it uh, is very possible. I assure you. <laughs> but but I think from a I think what what people are confused by. And this is why I brought up the precedent thing is there are many people who have been calling for this for years because of the multiple things that have piled up on the resume and people go, well, if none of those things got him fired, how does this one get him fired or how does this one get him reprimanded? And really, what does a reprimand to the public look like? Was he going to get suspended for a few weeks? Like from a and and from a Rogers Sportsnet perspective and the NHL as well, because, you know, the NHL is making some calls today. Well, And they had a statement as well. um, And I'll read that in a sec. Um is business-wise, what's going on behind the scenes right now? Like, is, are they looking at this as like, okay, the apology I read to you earlier, is that is that going to be their, their statement and that's it? You know, you're probably going to hear from Ron on Hometown Hockey tonight, but where does it go from here? 
There are a lot of executives in the city who had a very bad Sunday, I would say. Um, because it's not just, I mean, the CBC put out a statement saying, look, like, this is Rogers owns Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, they we sublicense the games, but we don't control the editorial content. But CBC is part of this. Rogers and Sportsnet are part of this. Um, but it's not just them. It's, it's Scotiabank, which is a presenting sponsor and, and the champion of hockey. Um, and it's also Budweiser, which is a title sponsor for Coach's Corner. Like, there's a lot of very uh, large companies that are now tied into this mm -hmm. as their brands are tied and riding on Don Cherry and Coach's Corner and they're associated with this. So I would imagine that today a lot of calls or texts or whatever it is the kids do these days in the C-suites uh, to communicate with each other, that those were all going around to try and figure out like what is the next step. And I think, I mean, there's so many outcomes. Um, you know, does, does do Don and Ron appear on Hometown Hockey to apologize? Um, Which we'll know by the time this is posted, yes, but not uh, at the time we're recording. If they don't, then, you know, do they apologize at some point in the next few days? You have if to they, think Ron If they don't anyway. apologize, is there a suspension? Is there a termination? Like, this isn't the end. That, that statement was, I think, uh, ambiguous enough that it leaves Sportsnet room to say, upon further reflection, we are. Why dot, would they dot, want dot. that? Why would they take and for and I'm, I'm going to guess they didn't have a lot of time to put a statement together with sure. the 10,000 phone calls they're getting today from corporate sponsors saying what on God's green earth is happening here. And I think if it was easy to get rid of Don Cherry, it would have been done already. Like, it, well, if, there's no. I mean, listen, let's 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 call it what it is. They're in a they're in a budget crunch right now. Mm -hmm. They are. Uh, people were let go. And I'm just going to pretend like I'm not here. Yeah, well, I know, I understand. <laughs> but like, they are, they are. And they, no, and they I, would admit yeah. that. That's publicly stated information. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that if they do get rid of Dawn, unless you can take them to court, and a lot of, in a lot of contrasts this exists, unless you can take them to court and say he was fired with cause and that voided his deal, they're probably just going to have to pay out his deal if they want I to I don't even him. mean from like a business perspective. I just mean like culturally. Culturally. I feel like... Do you think it would be hard though? Because I don't know if it would be that hard anymore. It, at this point now, we've reached a point, I feel like, where there would be a groundswell of support to get rid of him. But up until this point, it feels like there would be a group of people who would be very upset if he was taken off the air. Right. And I think you saw that when uh, Steve Simmons' story came out in uh, the springtime, that rumor that this would be... He wouldn't even come back this year. Right. And all the people were fighting back on that. That was just a report. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's I, I had a thought like I'm not totally proud of because like this isn't even the only time in recent memory he's he's generated a fuss or mm -hmm. upset people. But I just remember uh, this morning, wake, you know, I saw the reaction last night and I woke up this morning and I saw the reaction continue. And the thought I'm not totally proud of was, oh, people are like really mad this time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know why I'm not, like, totally proud of that? Like, I should have seen this coming. I should have understand uh, understood that. Because, like, I think you alluded to earlier, this isn't the worst thing he's ever said on the air. Well, I, it's not I would leave close. that to Sh Sean. Is this the worst? Is this as bad as it's gotten? Because cause Are you, you asking get, me because I'm the oldest one at the table? Well, I think you've got a better <laughs> yeah. memory than the Sean, three of us. Remember when CBC came on the air and Hot <laughs> Five and... <laughs> no, I... <laughs> Was that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the reason I ask is because you've got a better memory than we do. You've probably done more research well, on this today than we have. You've interviewed Don. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I don't have them. I, I think I have done a, 
sort of the encyclopedia before um, at some point within the last 20 years. I, I don't have them at the tip of my tongue, but but there are things that you don't have to go very far into the archives for. Um, and if you have a Toronto Public Library card, you can go into the Globe and Star archives for free, and they're amazing. Um, to see that, yeah, there's some things that you'll go back through in the 90s, in the late 80s, like not as long ago as you'd think, and you'll have your eyes pop open and say, huh? Like oh, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he'd said some things before where you're like, huh? Right. But again, like to Steve's point, it's been, well, this is the one that's going to get done. And then it's like, oh, nevertheless. Right. Um, like the, it's like the Donald Trump tweet. Right. So how interesting. Yeah. Like this one, this one is, this one's big because this one, this one cuts outside of sport in a way, if that makes sense. I mean, so much of what he's done, I'm not diminishing anything and, and the hurt that he's, he's caused by what he said before. I mean, you know, we say, oh, it's just hockey, but like, you know, punching and fighting, like chronic traumatic encephalopathy ruins lives. So I'm not diminishing any of that. But this one cuts so deep into what it means to be Canadian. Cultural fabric. And and what we are as Canadians, that I think that's one of the reasons that this is this is continuing, not to echo today, it's building. Like people are still legitimately angry today and, and getting more so mm-hmm. um, because they're not getting a response directly. Well, and the apology came out, or the statement, whatever, and people just went, "Nope," because <laughs> it's nope, not from Don. Brush that it's aside. not from Don. Right, right. It's one. Yeah, it's not from Don. It's not from Ron. So I read a tweet today, and I want to read it out to you guys because I think it hit at the at the core of why this bothers so many people. And it was from Roger the Shrubber, just a guy, sure. four hundred thirteen followers, but it took off. He retweeted the Don Cherry video, and he said, the problem with Canada isn't that we're a country of Don Cherries. We're not. It's that we're a country of Ron McLean's. And now, we've all talked to, worked with Ron McLean before. And I'll, I have no problem saying that I don't believe for a second that Ron McLean is a racist, a, uh, a xenophobe, any, I don't believe anything, I do not believe that Ron is anything but the best intentioned human being out there. I, I've, I've known him for years. He, he's come on this show. There's not a... There, like, you, you talk to anybody. They don't really have any bad, bad things to say about Ron. However, people do make mistakes, and I think he erred last night. He may not have been paying attention, which has been suggested, but he erred last night by giving the thumbs up at the end of that segment and not challenging Don on what Don said. Yeah. If there's a chance he didn't catch it, and I'm not making... Mis- I'm not making... Uh, excuses well, for the guy. I'll, I'll do it. So the 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 earpiece thing. There's probably people talking in his ear, sure. doing rapid, the countdown. Rapid, yeah. Now he's been on TV forever, um, so he's probably used to it by now. When it happens to me on ice surfing, I you can you can watch my brain short circuit. I I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to listen and speak at the same time. Right. It's really difficult. So there's a chance that the person sitting next to him on national television who was speaking, he might not have even been paying attention to what he was saying. Right. There's and we should all hope that that's the case. Because otherwise, then he's sitting there, he's complicit in somebody who's clearly speaking out of line right next to him. Right. right. And I right. think whether or not he heard it, he is. Yep. That's a tough Because it's, it's not about what happened, it's about how it looks. <laughs> and it's not a good look. And I got to add, you know, I, I, from a, if I am running Sportsnet right now, which, thank God I'm not, because that would be far too much responsibility. Um, I have to look at this as, here's my, here are my two tenured heritage personalities. Guys that are bankable, 
guys that have gotten ratings for years. And quite frankly, um, as part of a company that is owned by a company that uh, primarily sells internet and cable, you know, you want those that older audience because they still buy cable. They still buy cable packages, which a lot of younger people aren't doing anymore. And, um, you know, you if if not not only does this bring Dawn down, wherever this brings Dawn to, Ron is now sucked into that vortex. And Ron is the guy who is the goodwill ambassador for Hockey Night in Canada for years. And that is that to me is a major problem that nobody's talked about. Purely from a pragmatic perspective, you know, if you if you look at it from the from the business side of things, they're going, this guy is such a such a wild card on the air and so closed off in his views that he's pulling our other personalities down with him. Like, is there a person before last night on that show with a better reputation than Ron McLean? Well, you look at what's hometown hockey. Like, you're, you're a hockey evangelist. Yes. Ron McLean has become a hockey evangelist. That's what hometown hockey is. Like, you go to Welland. I think they're in Welland tonight. You go out to Kamloops, home of James Myrtle. Um, <laughs> you go to, you know, Cape Breton. You go Nunavut. You go anywhere. With that show, you become a hockey evangelist to those people, to the rest of the country, saying, look, here's hockey, here's a story that you might understand and that might reflect who you are and your reality, where you are, even though we're 3,000 kilometers away. Here's a story of Canada. That's the message that they want hometown hockey to. It's Hockey is for everybody. Here's Canada. We have so many differences, you know, from uh, out west to out east, um, but we have this thing that tethers us together. And now... You have, after last night, you have a them and us vibe. And, and how can you have an evangelical view of hockey when you've othered a significant portion of this population? Right. And what does that mean for Ron? Like, what are your thoughts on, just personally, you know, yeah, he, yes, he's done all those things. But this is also something that's happened. And whether or not he heard it, no matter what happened in that room, only the two of them will ever know. I don't know. I don't know. But this is not a good look and there's no escaping that. <sighs> I'm this is unacceptable, and there's no escaping that. Not to make a joke of it, but I'm I'm picturing that scene from uh, Anchorman where "Go f yourself, San Diego," and he didn't re- realize he said it. I think that went pretty well, and everyone else in the studio is like, "Did you hear what you just said?" Well, I don't know. The weird thing about all this, guys, is that this segment made it online. It made it through the yeah. editing bay yeah. and was posted on the internet, and then overnight they took it down. I used to post those. Yeah. So that that call came from. But how did the editors not say, yeah, I probably shouldn't post this? Well, Is it's that on the ju- internet. Who's going to see it on the internet? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and once you delete it, it's gone. It's gone. That, see it again. That's it's a forever. tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one for the editor, I'll just say, because that's fair. your job is you have your list of stuff that you're supposed your to post. Your job is to do your job. And your job is my, to do hey, your job. Hey, my job is to post Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday. You just do it. And it's sponsored content. So if you just. On a whim, go. Oh, I'm not going to post this. Well, you wouldn't do that, but you'd have to flag it. Ye- well, I think you're overestimating the amount of pull someone who just right. posts and clip online has. Fair. That's you know why I'm I mean? bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would not blame that person. I'd say uh, it didn't go ideally, but it went about as well as it could have gone. Okay. I think like the the fact that it went up is bad. The fact that it was taken down is good. Should have never been up. It's down. Right. And Sean, you've been you've been following this all day. What have you deduced from all of this other than some executives had a bad day? Where do you think this goes? You said it's building. Like, what does it build into? 
That's my. That's the whole story. It's it's ten words. Executives had a bad day. Thirty. <laughs> Please subscribe. Well, to the and, and there are a lot of people felt alienated too, and I think we should yeah, talk know, about like, that. Yeah, part of it was sort of gathering reaction. So you know, some of it, you know, I reached out to some of the folks um, on Twitter uh, who sort of shared their story and their reaction, whether it be you know um, grandparents who who fought in the Second World War um, for, you know, from India and Pakistan where they grew up before partition um, and, and, you know, the sacrifices that they made and, and how that, you know, that's basically been pushed aside by this. Like, and, and the anger of growing up and believing that, you know, you're bringing your children into a, a better Canada than the one that you had to endure because of who you are and what you wore or the color of your skin, that all of these things have been moved past. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, they're not, you know, they're not saying that they thought until Don Cherry that we'd move past all these things, but that steps had been taken and, and that, you know, they were moving, we were moving in the right direction as a, as a country and that they were bringing their children into a better Canada than the one that, that they had inherited. And what this was, was like, well, no, like the, these, these, these perspectives can still be shared on a national platform for an audience of untold millions. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not going to be untold when we get the overnight ratings. And right. when, they, when it goes on to the internet, I mean, if people ever figure out what, you know, the internet is and you know, <laughs> dial into it. Maybe uh, one day. Maybe. One day. dial up. But no, like, that's the thing. So, yeah, today, like, <coughs> I guess the, the short version of that rambling answer is he hurt people. Like, that's, you distill it down, he hurt people mm-hmm. in a deep, meaningful way. And, and that's not going to be erased or, or healed real quick. All right. No. Well, listen. Uh, it was not the it was not the fun topics everybody wanted to talk about, but I still think it was worth uh, broaching. Guys, appreciate your thoughts. Does anybody have any parting thoughts on that before we go? Well, let's move to, before we move to the games and everything else going on in the NHL. It's so many levels down from mattering. Like, uh, but like, I'm embarrassed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like seeing all this shit all day, and I I sent a text to uh, the person who manages Sportsnet's Twitter, and I was just like praying for you today and they were like thanks yeah <laughs> um it's just and and like i know myself and this person like there's lots of others right it's it's embarrassing and, and, and I'm embarrassed. anybody that listens to the show and feels like a second class citizen because of the comments you're not this is one man mm-hmm. uh and uh and and you know i think we are true true believers that it is for everyone but i think we need to do a better job of making people feel that way and that's that's sort of where we do want to you know we do want to talk to you sean about that with the book and everything mm-hmm. because they're from what I understand, um, hockey people signing up for hockey is like way down in the last ten years. My my thought when he said you people, I'm like Don, they're not watching. Yeah, the people right. you're talking about are not watching. And that's are, are we getting into this? Yeah, here? like yeah, yeah we're getting into the, the preface, the forward, and all that stuff. Yeah, no. So, um, I mean, my wife, my wife is uh, she was born in Mumbai. Uh, her family's from Goa, which is a a beautiful beach, sort of touristy region um, in India, and she moved here when she was ten. God, I'm going to get in trouble. Was it twelve? Please, oh god, <laughs> uh, ten or twelve? Long time ago. Yeah. Um, didn't have a real connection to hockey, even though she, you know, grew up here for for a lot of her formative years. And we have two children, an eight year old and a four year old, and she is now a fully fledged hockey mom. Our our eight year old's on the ice, and this is going to sound really gross, but he's on the ice like five times a week. Oof. Our four year old, our four year old daughter, uh, the future all time penalty minutes leader for the Canadian Olympic women's team. <laughs> she just started hockey school a couple weeks ago, so we're in the rink 
all the time. Right. And I would a bit like Steve. I didn't get to play organized hockey until I mean I started when I was thirteen. Um, so when You're I went really through, good when I went through <laughs> wow. the first time, I didn't really understand all of this stuff. But now going through it with this lens, and I'm, I'm building back to the book here. I swear. No, no. Um, going through it with kids and with somebody who's going in through hockey the first time, you really see the benefit of what hockey is that we take for granted. And this, that you can have somebody in Vancouver or Halifax or Saskatoon and have nothing in common. One could be NDP, conservative, liberal, whatever. Um, One could be a farmer, one could be a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, whatever. But there's a real good chance that right now you have a background in hockey. Or mm-hmm. you play beer league hockey or that you're a terrible hockey or whatever. Um, you've got a kid in hockey. So you can say, oh, my God, this cost me this much. You have that tether. So that if you land together at a conference in Windsor, Ontario for something and you end up in a bar, you have that, you have that tether as, as Canadians. So if I can make a, maybe a clearer example. Um, last year, our son was starting grade two at a school here in Toronto. And a little boy had just moved here from Vancouver and he was wearing a Canucks hat. Didn't know a soul, like brand new, like, you know, in in the city for about a month. So the teacher looks at this little boy and and our little guy, and those are our little guys, a hockey nut. And again, knowing that seven-year-olds are notoriously unreliable journalists, I'm told the conversation went something like this when she put them together, that my favorite player is Brock Besser. I love P.K. Subban. I play for East York. I play for Ted Reed. You want to be best friends? Let's be best friends. (laughs) So now that little boy's dad is on my Thursday Night Beer League team. Um, those two boys are inseparable. That little boy has a sister, and his sister and our daughter are friends. That we had dinner together three weeks ago as as two families. Like so, from nothing more than having hockey that connected two families from you know British Columbia to Ontario just through hockey. Would they have found each other without it? Maybe, maybe not. But through that thing, and I think that that interaction, that transaction, repeats itself more often than we even understand because it's just always been there as Canadians. The challenge now is, is that with fewer Canadians signing up, with fewer Canadians having that tether to the game, uh, we're we're allowing barriers to grow up around it where, you know, this wonderful thing that we can all share, fewer of us are able to share it. And and that's going to be a real problem. Well, what are those barriers? Oh God! Uh, does this go on until Thursday? Yeah, like, we got well, we got yeah, a two-hour show. So, yeah, well, that's you awesome. got time. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> no, it'll be Don Cherry's great-great-grandchildren who will be hosting Coach's yeah. Corner by the time we're done here. Um, so the barriers. Um, one is cost. I mean, that's we've been talking about that since like I had hair, and that's um, we're on podcast. So that's a really long time. I'm very bald, is what I'm saying. Um, so the, the cost, like the the legend of the three hundred dollars stick, isn't a legend. Like it's real. Um, but that's been going on for decades, right? Like it's been really expensive. Now it's it's that at the grassroots level, the game's being professionalized. So baby Steve Dangle today can go and he'll have a coach come out every Wednesday practice who will be a skills development coach that will work with his peewee or his tyke team. And there'll be a professional skills coach to work with the goalie on his team. And then at March break, Christmas break, and summer break, he can go to a week-long hockey camp where he's on the ice five hours a day at a CrossFit gym for another hour of the day and then go for lunch. And it's $800 a week, so there's $2,400 there. So the professionalization raises the cost exponentially more than just the $300 hockey stick. That's just a capital investment. Now you have the soft costs of, do you have a car? Do you have the kind of job where you can piece out of work on a Friday? Because that's when hockey tournaments start now on a Friday. So you have to pull little Jane or little Jimmy out of school on a Friday. So you have to get out of work. Can you, can you get out of work at 3.15 because your kid has a game on the other side of town in Toronto at 6.30? Um, and you have to be there an hour before. Um, do you have the willingness to give up your weekends from now until the end of time or May? 
um, because you have practices every weekend if you're just above house league. Um, so you're not going to go skiing. You're not going to sit down and watch college football. You're not going to like do crochet or anything that you enjoy doing because it's going to be in that rink that if you're in a little bit, you're in a lot. And then the other barrier is uh, the retention that, that hockey for the kids, like we're talking right off the top about how much fun it was to play the other night, right? Like all of us were yeah, out on the ice and having fun. For kids, so because of the professionalization, like imagine that, except you had an adult out there yelling, you know, dump it in. What are you doing? You can't circle. You can't do that lazy cut. Like it's not fun. So kids who are in it are dropping out because they're like, this sucks. Every I can time do a I walk, different things. Every time I walk by a pad of ice in an arena with, with a kid and a skills coach on it, the kid never looks stoked no. to be there. No, they always look so miserable. So, I mean... And they're also really good. There's so still. many ways to go with this, but, like, like Hockey Canada is trying to say, hey, coaches, make sure you have fun, right? But coaches are beholden. Like, some are paid coaches. I'm a volunteer coach with, with our kids' team, um, and we have fun. Like, we do fun drills. Like, you remember American Gladiators? Like, the old one from the oh, 80s yes. and 90s? Yes, it was great. Yeah, your, yeah. Favorite, your favorite game was probably the one that they played at the end where there was the Gladiator with the tennis ball cannon. Oh, yeah. Like it's the best thing <laughs> in the world. So there's a Hockey Canada drill in one of their books, and they have giant books for each age group that are like lesson plans that you teachers have, except for coaches. And they call it hockey gladiators. So you have pylons and they're zigzags. So you, you have the kids start in the corner and they skate around one pylon, skate around the other pylon, get to the third, pick up a puck, go around a fourth pylon, and then shoot on the net. Easy, right? Yeah, except there's a coach with a giant bucket of tennis balls firing the tennis balls at the kids. Now, the first time we did this, it horrified the parents. And to be clear, we also had a coach whose kill rate was a little bit higher than maybe should have been. But um, what it does is, is it teaches the kids, you know, duck down, skate with the, your head up, work inside edge, outside edge. And they're doing all of this stuff. They're learning all these really important skills while having a blast. And it's great, and Hockey Canada provides a lot of these ideas. The challenge is, is that coaches, I mean, that's kind of, you know, counterintuitive, that you want them to work on their inside edge, outside edge, in a drill that looks like they're performing something in a hockey game. And those aren't fun. Those are what I imagine, like, a Soviet practice looked like in 1968. Like, it's very emotionless. It's very clinical. It's not a lot of fun. So unless you have coaches across the country who buy into that fun principle, kids are going to peace out because it's not fun. Mm-hmm. So these it's are not all, creative. No, and these are right. all barriers that we've allowed to grow up around the game, the professionalization, the cost rising, the, the, the fact that there are indirectly, you know, ways that we've othered people that, you know, because minor hockey associations, which are run by really, really well-meaning people, but they're volunteers. And if they don't have connections to communities that aren't represented directly into that rink, they have real challenges reaching into those communities. So, I mean, we're talking about Brampton which has struggled mightily. Like there was a stat 20 years ago in Brampton, 4,200 kids were playing hockey in Brampton. So what's happened in the intervening 20 years? The population of Brampton has gone on like aviation fuel to the moon and back, right? There's 2,000 kids playing hockey in Brampton right now. So why is that? Because you're not reaching communities. It's funny because my parents came here in the 80s as immigrants from Caribbean islands. And hockey was never in the spectrum for me to play. Like I played uh, high level sports un- up until like my teenage years, but it was never it was never hockey. And like I think about all those barriers you listed, and those are exactly the reasons why. And then when I go into my adulthood, I don't really see my kid playing hockey either because of the next steps of just how expensive it is and how just everything you need to do to get into hockey. And it's like that'll be like I'm a Canadian now. Like I was born here. They became Canadians, but. 
my kids might still not be able to play hockey, which is such a shame because of all the great stuff it it, uh, it brings to like your life growing up. Like we're talking about it, not even growing up. Like, and that's this is a, a second. Uh, I don't. I lost count of how many tent poles we've talked about here. But like, like the other night, we're on the ice. Like. Mm-hmm. That was, that was like that probably was my 10th right? time ever being on ice. Was, and I'll, I'm going to play my second game ever next Friday. That was, <laughs> yeah, was, and, I'm, was, and I'm 27 now. Was that fun? That was, oh, my God. It was unbelievable. That's what it's it's the best way, time ever. You, you disagree, but you're way better than you were last year. And you're way yeah, better but, than you should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah but he's uh, clearly an athlete. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't grow up playing. And, yeah. Yeah, so, like, so. in the room, in the room before, oh, you, you showed up a bit late, so there wasn't mm-hmm. before, but afterwards, like, joking around, hanging out, like you're making right. connections, whether mm-hmm. or not you realize or not. Like, that's what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason they call it beer league, and it's because you're hanging out there and you're chatting and you're, you know, refreshing friendships or whatever it is. That's half the fun. So the, yeah. you're being physically active on the ice. That's, well, I mean, okay, other people are being physically active. I'm sitting there coasting in the neutral zone. But, like, everybody else is being physically mm-hmm. active. But it's it's the social connections after. Mm-hmm. So why why aren't why isn't that so widely available to everybody? And if you look at just the environment around the game, if I say, hey, my kid can play hockey or he can play soccer, where he's going to see a bunch of more kids from different backgrounds who are going to be more accepting of who he is or who she is, I would probably lean towards that one. Would I not? Just by default? And, it, and it's also the time contribution. Um, mm-hmm. What you can manage, equipment contribution, likes. right? It's a, it's a pair of shoes and a, a soccer ball. Yeah, I played baseball because it was easy. I paid for the uniform and a glove and a bat. I mean, and, and to know. be clear, like adults can, can we swear here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. adults can fuck up anything they touch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, like high level basketball is ridiculously expensive. If you're listening oh, yeah. to this podcast and you were a competitive swimmer, or if you're dancer, if you're a child dance. in competitive oh, dance, shit. my oh. cousins, like yeah. if, if yeah, you yeah. if you have a kid in competitive dance, and like those are great pursuits because your kid's being active, your kid's making friends, your kid's doing all of these things, learning physical literacy, which helps develop confidence in a whole bunch of different facets of life. So competitive dance and competitive swimming are amazing. But if you're listening to that and you have experience in those, you're like, hockey's the cheapest fucking thing in the earth. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but the reason we're picking on hockey here is because hockey was on the back of our $5 bill. Like, hockey's what Rock Carrier wrote right. about in the hockey sweater. And, and we close our eyes and you think of what does it mean to be Canadian. And, and as it relates to hockey, you think of a gentle snow falling on a frozen pond against the backdrop of children's laughter while they play hockey. <laughs> that's what you think about. And that's what's supposed to bind us together. But because of all of these things that have allowed to go unchecked for so long, so many people have been streamed out of hockey that it's, I I mean, it sounds melodramatic to say, but it really is at risk of becoming a niche sport in this country. I think it was Anthony Stewart had a pretty funny tweet a couple of weeks back. Uh, He's like, uh, a reporter will go, so... What are what are some of your fondest memories playing hockey on a pond growing up? And any player under thirty is like, uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just not they a did. yeah. Concordia University had a really interesting study. I guess it'd be five years. And I'm gonna mangle all of these numbers now because it's I'm old and my memory's faded. Um Well, we're gonna tell people to buy the book anyway. So if they yeah, wanna see you. the exact <laughs> figures and uh, then tweet you about how wrong you were afterwards, fair, make totally sure fair. you buy Sean's book. <laughs> and they will. Before the lights go up, McCullough right. Stewart, a division, Penguin Random House. From Penguin, yeah, Penguin Random House. Um, <laughs> Concordia University did a, a study uh, years ago, and there's other ones like drinkwatch.org do it too, um, where I think I think they said that to have good outdoor natural ice, you need three days straight of minus five or below. 
So it has to be minus five, five below for three straight days, and you got a sheet of ice that you can play on. And they figured that with uh, climate change and the, the changing patterns that for something like 90% of the Canadian population within 25 years, so we're probably within 20 years now, it will be impossible to have natural ice across most of Canada. Oh, wow. Where Canadians can play hockey because Within it's just going to be too warm. In the populous areas, it just doesn't, it just wouldn't be there. 100%. No. So I've walked across a frozen pond twice my entire life. I was scared shitless. Right? So like, times. Here in Toronto, we're lucky that the city has a bunch of artificially um, cool. refrigerated rinks right. that are outdoors. I mean, they're still scheduled with an inch of their lives. Like you can't just show up after school and play, but they're there at least. Um, but for a lot of Canadians, that outdoor pond thing, it's going to be like, well, why would I go swimming in December? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to skate on my, uh, my parents were lucky enough to have a cottage growing up and um, used to skate on, on the ice there, you know, when it got thick enough. And you know, we'd get the auger out and just check the, the ice levels and that sort of thing to make sure that it was thick enough. Um, and it was, to, to your point, some of the most magical moments of my life are just me alone, you know, only child, right? So there's no one to play with. It's, you know, it's cottage, so it's freezing cold inside. You may as well be outside. <laughs> How many and people were out there no with you? Nobody's there. <laughs> my, yeah. my parents are like, hell no. <laughs> they, neither of them played hockey. My dad's an auto racing fan, and my stepmom was never really into right. sports. Um, and, uh, you know, they supported me, but it was never their thing. Um, and they are some of the best memories I've ever had. Just, I remember... You know, you, you're outside, it's quiet. It's so quiet. It's the middle of the day, and all you hear are the cracks from the lake ice in the distance, and they sound, they're, they're terrifying. Yep. <laughs> um, and then it's like you and your dog, and my dog Max used to love to chase pucks, so I'd like deke him out and put the puck through his, his feet and that sort of thing, he'd run after it. It was some, and it's, it's such a shame that, and I know that, I realize that that's not a possibility for like 99% of people. I realize how lucky I am to have that experience, but the fact that even the people that do have that opportunity, you know, if you do live in a smaller town and you're able to go uh, go out to, you know, a frozen pond or something like that. I mean, we uh, in Scarborough, where we grew up, we were able to go down uh, into near the bluffs area and it would freeze in the wintertime near the beach. Oh, I never and, went. Yeah. And you could skate on that. Um, and because uh, that so that was that was a lot of fun. But the fact that that will not even be a possibility just based on climate change will suck. And it, you know, okay, so how much, so we, we rented ice at a, at an arena at 10 o'clock. That is a barn. Barn. Like a it's a barn. Oh, yeah. The arena's got to be 50 years old. It's Moss Park Arena. Look it up. Oh, you um, had a ridiculous stat about arenas in Toronto. Well, hang on, hang on. Sorry, let me, sorry, let me, sorry. Let me finish this first. <laughs> sorry, that was so, so rude. Ju just to that point about cost, right? <laughs> Steve Dangle podcast. Points at guests said, that was ridiculous. I know, right? I know. So how many guys were there? How many guys were there, Steve? 12. 12, 12 guys. of us. 12 yep. guys. It was still $25 a guy. Yeah. For, for one hour. One hour. <laughs> Just one one hour, hour in a barn. And by the way, this was Moss Park, which is my neighborhood, by the way, is <laughs> one of the one of the tougher areas in downtown Toronto. Uh, and frankly, there's not a lot of people there on a Friday night anyway. Um, and it's not one of those arenas that on a Friday night, like there's men's leagues forever. Like you go to Oakville and they get the big sliding doors and the 40 rinks and the bars upstairs. This is not one of those. Oh. This is like everything you imagine from like 40s, 50s, 60s hockey. This is what this this place is, and it was still three hundred dollars. And like drinking out it. of the tap, like, well, oh, I've, yeah. ha I've had a good life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, hundred percent. You have to wear. You're, you're not going in the shower with bare feet. Like, uh, it's one of those. Like, and I, I, I found that interesting. 
I was like, holy smokes, it's still three hundred dollars. And it's like the barrier for the professional level. Going back to what you're saying, is in other sports it's more. But it's just culturally hockey is so important that the barrier to just play every day should be so much easier. Like I knew guys who went down to the States because there's not opportunities to play basketball here and like AAU. So the, the barrier for professional basketball is I have to move countries. But for hockey, it, the barrier to just play should be so easy. It shouldn't be $25 for one hour. No, no. It should just be, hey, let's go do this. Right, right. And, and in some, the ridiculousness that you were talking about earlier is that basically in Toronto, speaking just here, municipal rinks um, haven't really been built since 1967, since the Centennial Fund. So some of the, you know, the new rinks that you have in this city are privately owned. So if you're playing a beer league, it's going to be privately owned and, and those prices can be... I mean, they're 400 plus sometimes. And depending on the time, you're paying a premium for that ice time. Um, so it's really expensive. So then you can counter with saying, well, you know, why don't you just have your kid play house league? You know, house leagues in the city, they're fine. They're great. Uh, you play a game every Saturday mm -hmm. and you can practice every other Sunday. So that's six hours of ice time a month. That's basically, you know, going for a music lesson, yep. which is great. It's fine. It's good. It's important to know music and have music lessons. But that's not sort of what we're talking about. If you're just on the ice four hours a month um, for hockey, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about hockey. We're talking about something that, you know, you know, Rock Carrier, and it's one of my, it might be my favorite short story about anything, anywhere, at any time, was he'd go to school and you think about hockey. He'd go to, you know, listen to Maurice Richard on the radio and the Montreal Canadiens and think of hockey, that it was what he loved and he could access it in any number of ways. Where if you just play house league, you know, you're doing it once a week for one hour. Mm -hmm. So then why don't you go to the competitive level, which is select, which is, you know, the, the level that our eight-year-old plays and our four-year-old, assuming she stays out of legal trouble and between now and then, we'll eventually <laughs> play. Um, but then you're drinking out of the fire hose and that's everything we're talking about. Like, yeah. Like he has, you know, I'm an assistant, I'm a volunteer coach, ripping the sweater actually. Um, he, uh, he's on the ice Wednesdays and that's skills day. So we have a professional coach come and skate and work on skills with the kids. Former NHLer? Uh, no, I don't know. He's definitely more skilled than me. <laughs> uh, and then that's at one end of the ice. At the other end of the ice, we have a professional goalie instructor work with our goalies. That's once a week. Uh -huh. And we're just, we're, we're a novice team. So that's, they're eight years old, um, going on nine. And it only goes up from here. So, you know, by the time you get to your minor midget year, if you are in that competitive stream, and I'm not saying that we'll be there, um, it's if you're triple a minor midget like if you're a parent you can easily expect a, a fifteen thousand dollar uh door charge jesus right that's, that's, like, how, how like, like how no could wonder you, dude there's the like 40 Honda last Civic. names yeah. in the nhl like no wonder right if you go so one of the really cool things that i like going to do is uh going to the top prospects game the gthl which is the biggest minor hockey organization on this planet not this country this planet um and they have a top prospects game so that's the best minor midget kids in the in the city um those are the kids who are primed for the ohl draft usually i mean they can go to college or whatever but usually the ohl draft so they all go there and their parents are there and these are still 15 year old kids so they're not driving yet. So their parents are out there. <laughs> and you pull into the parking lot. And there are a whole bunch of times. I've gone, I think, three years in a row. And I pulled in and I've looked around. I'm like, they're going to call the police on me. Because somebody's going to say, 
um, there's a Honda Civic in this parking lot. Uh, I don't know what that person's motivations are, but it doesn't belong here. Wow. <laughs> it should be with all these Mercedes. Yeah, because here's a Mercedes, a Range Rover, yeah. a Lexus, a Beamer, like a hovercraft. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> somebody, yeah, somebody bought like their rocket ship. Like, it was really weird, right? But like, and then you go inside and you're like, like, I, wow. Like, I, 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 I don't make enough to, to like anything. Like it's the, the, the stratosphere is, I think we, we really don't understand it. Like the, the Hamilton Spectator, maybe this will help it. The Hamilton Spectator, five years ago, Terry Pekoski, who's a wonderful journalist, she did just a brilliant uh, series trying to quantify what I'm now stammering over. And what she did was she sent away to all of the OHL teams saying, look, I don't want private data of the kids on your roster. Just give me the postal codes of where they live. That's all I want, just their postal codes. Mm. Give me the postal codes. And I think all but three or four teams got back to her. So what she did was she ran those postal codes through StatsCan data. And what she found was, and again, because my memory is terrible, I'm going to mangle these exact numbers. But it was something like 80% of kids came from cities, urban areas. So like Ottawa, Toronto, the Windsor corridor. Um, and, and of those 80%, 80% of those came from parts of the cities where the median income was much higher than everywhere else. So what you get is a picture of... You know, it's not the guys that Tom Cochran used to sing about in big league where no. hockey was the one way out of the mining town. It's like you're from a really nice part of a really nice city and you have access to all of these teaching tools and the best coaches uh, that money can buy to get you to this level. Wow. It's funny in sports like football in the States, and this might have something to do with the fact that refrigeration is expensive. Uh, you can play football pretty much at any point. Right. Like you can play it all year long if you want to. Uh, football, basketball, high level basketball. Yeah, granted, is expensive, but you see a lot of guys in football and basketball specifically. And I guess you could say the same from the, for all the guys that come from Latino company or countries mm -hmm. in in uh, in baseball. Uh, a lot of these guys are coming from nothing. They come from nothing. They come they have they have backgrounds where, you know, they they happen to be brilliant athletically and they were able to raise themselves up and that's amazing right um it, i don't hear a lot of rags to riches stories in hockey like wayne simmons is one and i the only reason i know that story is because you know i we grew up with we wayne. grew up with him well uh, you did and, and well and he's like an elder statesman now yeah yeah but you don't hear like you hear you hear in football every year you know here's a guy who yeah. You know, from a single parent home who went through this and went through that, and they you know, they were on food stamps. Like you hear that all the time, and those stories are brilliant. You don't hear that in hockey. You just don't. It's it's he's so and so's son. He's so and so's nephew. Um, and and I I wanted to ask you about this because obviously there's a genetic component in families where if you are an if you are an athlete, you are genetically probably predispositioned to be you got better hand-eye coordination you probably heal faster there's a bunch of things that they when they study athletes they're like eh, they're a little bit different than the you rest did of watch us. me play the other night yeah. I, <laughs> I am flattered such grace such i can't grace, i can't Sean. speak i'm just gonna hang up and listen <laughs> but but the there is a we're seeing this more and more someone's son someone's nephew someone who already made it and then all of a sudden, it's like they had all the tools in front of them for someone else to make it. And that in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you get too inside with it, then you're then you're excluding everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, to, to back up to the other sports, um, you know, baseball and basketball, like those are 
those are getting ruined too. The New York Times did a really neat feature, again, I think it was last year, it could have even been earlier this year, about campuses in the U.S. Oh. that are, are growing up around, not university or college campuses, but like for these tournaments, so AAU tournaments mm -hmm. or baseball tournaments, that these, you know, they have a bunch of gyms, they have a bunch of fields, and they have a bunch of hotels. It's like smart centers, you know, <laughs> or you have the malls and it's all in there. Yeah. So what they do is they're like, hey, you're playing in this tournament, you're going to play on these fields, you're staying in these hotels, and since we're out in the middle of nowhere, you're going to eat in these restaurants. It's an entire industry built up wow. around youth sports. So it costs money, basketball, baseball, whatever. Um, it's really expensive. So it's not just hockey. The reason we're singling out hockey here is because, again, it's, it's on the back of our $5 bill. Cultural. It's, you know, one of our two official mm -hmm. sports, all of these things. Right. Um, and, yeah, there are stories of, you know, not everybody in hockey is, is filthy rich, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> like anything, yeah. I guess. But it's, it's just like, sorry to go back to our shinny session last Friday, but it, it was that good, everybody. It, it was, was that it good. Was so <laughs> good. Was well, it, Jesse and I are talking as co hat trick getters. Right? You got, <laughs> so, you got four. Yeah, Austin Matthews over here. It was pretty good when there's no goalie. <laughs> but like, if last Friday the 12 of us didn't have $25, but we all wanted to play sports, we would go out and we'd play basketball or soccer. Something else. We wouldn't pick hockey if we didn't have the money to. Yeah, or, yeah the, or the gear. Or, I mean, think of, this is the other point that was raised um, over the course of this, this book. I mean, it was three years of sort of exploring all of this stuff. And, and, you know, I think it was more than 200 interviews. So I, got, I was really lucky that a lot of people gave me their time to sort of share their stories. And, and the other one that, again, if you're in the game, you don't really think about it. If you're in that bubble... Um, is the delta that we ask people to cross now that if, if you're not in hockey, like if you're a parent and you're not in hockey, you don't have a background in hockey, the delta of signing your kid up and getting them all this gear, like do you know, does the shin pad go on before the pants? Do the skates go on before the pants? Like these things that you used to just sort of absorb through osmosis because like gym, gym class, I grew up in Burlington, so the Halton District, like part of our gym class would be like a couple times a month you do public skating down at the local rink, right? Like you, you get skates, you get a crappy pair of skates and you learn from just looking at the person next to you, oh, this is, the skates going this way or whatever. Like, so if you're new to the country or you're new to the game, um, you have to navigate all of this stuff. What kind of equipment do you need to get? And, and there's so much equipment now that, you know, neck guards, uh, jocks, cups. Uh, do you get, do you get uh, garters or do you get the, the, the long pants? Like there's, there's such a variety. It can be really daunting and people are so busy now that like, well, I could get those 14 different things or we could just go do something else. Mm. And if it's just do something else, then do something else looks real easy because we're all busy, mm -hmm. right? And like, like there's lots of choice. There's lots of things and kids have more choice and kids have more things. And you cannot play sports at all. You can play eSports. You can be on Twitch. You can do a whole bunch of things. And, and if hockey is just a thing, man, like it's really easy to scratch off that thing and do something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's not all glamorous. Uh, you did have to ride the bus with uh, the Peterborough Peets there, <laughs> um, which I think was uh, right at the beginning of the book. You got to ride with uh, some of the most near and dear uh, people to uh, our listeners' hearts. One of the best defensemen in the system. Yes. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf system. <laughs> Nick Roberts. Was on that bus. <laughs> He's going to be maybe one of the best defensemen in Toronto. Um, yeah, no, it, it, like... So the reason we picked Peterborough, I'll back up a bit, is that um, Peterborough, and I didn't know this until we really got into it, like we picked Peterborough 
Um, I'm talking about my editor, Jordan Ginsburg, and I, because Peterborough is kind of a proxy for the rest of Canada on so many things, like something like 14 of the last federal, last 15 federal elections, that if your party wins its seat in Peterborough, you form government in Ottawa. Wow. And this, really? the, streak, <laughs> the streak is even longer provincially, that if you win the seat in Peterborough, you go on to form the government in Queen's Park, something like 16 of the last, it's, it's insane. Um, and, huh. and Peterborough used to be the town where, I don't know, say you wanted to test the Timbit that was going to sell a Moose Jaw or Halifax. You test marketed it in Peterborough. Wow. Um, did it, because it was reflective in so many ways politically and economically of Canada that it became a test case. And because the Peets are a hockey team in a hockey town, we thought, why don't we explore some of these issues through the lens of the Peterborough Peets? Um, so yeah, followed the Peets for, for a season and a half. Um, they were, they, they, they were supposed to be challenging for a Memorial Cup that year. And, uh, they had a, a bunch of Leafs and Leafs, Leafs adjacent people. I don't know if you remember the name, Nikita Karostolev. Oh yeah. He could shoot the puck like a video game, but, um, the problem was his skating. He had to work on that. Logan DeNoble came to camp as, you know, one of the guys who wears number 57, uh, for two or three days in camp and then right. just sort of goes. And then there's Nick Robertson, um, who is, you know, the California-born um, second-round draft pick who's eventually going to be a forward with the Leafs. And, <laughs> and uh, It's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, imagine they actually give him a try. They're like, hey, we need mo- more mobility in the back end. Yeah. And they actually put him there. And SDS, was also on the team. Um, so follow them around and, and sort of explored, like, you know, who are the kids who are playing junior hockey, which is a step or two below the NHL? Where are they coming from? What are the challenges they're facing? And then in Peterborough, like, you know, what does hockey look like in Peterborough in 2017, 2018, 2019? And, and yeah, like, Minor Hockey Association in Peterborough had lost 100 kids from their roles every year for three straight years. That there was a, There's a Catholic school around the corner um, from the rink, 400 meters away from the rink, and these, these folks uh, for Tri Hockey, uh, went up there and what they do is they'll go to the school and they'll hold an assembly and say, hey, who plays hockey? And then they'll play ball hockey and say, if if you haven't played ice hockey but you're curious, come to the rink this weekend. We'll set you up. We'll get you on the ice, blah, blah, blah. They went and held a, an assembly at the school and they're like, hey, who plays hockey? 400 kids. Not a single hand went up. Oh. That's in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. And yeah, they, they have a vibrant and growing uh, house league basketball program. Sure. Fleming College has um, a cricket program. There's a travel cricket program in the city. Um, you know, the, the, the president of the Peterborough Hockey Association went to get his haircut in the middle of uh, Pete season. And uh, the family there, everybody was wearing TFC shirts. And they didn't want to talk about Pete's. They want to talk about TFC. Um, all of the pressures that we're talking about here. Uh, esports, other sports, not playing any sports, um, you know, underrepresented communities, they all exist in Peterborough. And that's why we wanted to spend that time exploring them through the lens of the Pete's and Peterborough. Let me ask you something. Do you think that Hockey Canada and uh, upper man, upper leadership at the NHL level, uh, you know, obviously the Americans have their own system and that sort of thing, but the most, you know, as Canadians, um, we hear most from Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. And we hear from the Hockey Canada group, which used to be Bob Nicholson, mm-hmm. who's now with the Oilers. Do you think they're equipped or even aware? That was one thing, is that I expected to go through this and run into, I was going to say Don Cherry, but I don't want to mention that name again today, um, was you know a bunch of people who say, oh, hockey's fine. Like, what are you talking about? You're, this whole thing, hockey's fine. Like, get your head out of your ass. Um, 
all the minor hockey association people I spoke with, and I, I, I traveled Saskatoon, I talked to people out in, out in BC, I talked to people in Montreal and Ottawa and out east, um, they all said, yeah, like it's expensive. Um, we have problems reaching out to new communities. Um, there are success stories in that regard for sure, but by and large, they have they have issues. And and Tom Rennie, who is near the head of Hockey Canada, you know, understands the issues. Um, he, he he acknowledges that they exist. The challenge is going to be um, how do you find solutions, and then how do you implement them? Because in Canada, like a solution that might work here in Toronto, we're talking about Moss Park, which is a vital downtown recreational facility yes. for hockey. And it is a great sheet of ice. It's expensive, but it's a good sheet of ice. It was neat. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, coming up with a solution that might work in Moss Park isn't going to work in one of those massive megaplexes out in Mississauga or Oakville um, or out in Brampton or out in one of the brand new ones at Oshawa or Whitby. Um, so, you know, if, if you have that problem here in Southern Ontario, imagine finding a solution that will also work in Saskatoon and, you know, Coal Harbor or whatever. So what are the solutions and then how do you possibly Im- implement them in a place so broad and diverse as Canada? And that's where the real challenge is going to be because there are ideas um, to, to address some of the things we're talking about, whether it be cost um, or accessibility. But how do you come up with a national scheme? Do they right? have any, like, theories on how they could do that? Yeah, there's a couple things here. So... One is we talked about fun. How do you make it fun? So we'll start with that, and then we'll go on to the, the money side of it. Um, the fun part is is that, you know, when baby Steve Dangle would have been four, five, six, seven, and I know, I mean, you didn't, you didn't get a chance to play, but um, if you had, um, you would have had to play full ice. So you would have been playing against kids who were skating since they were spermatozoa. Yep. Like, boom. And when I started uh, in grade four, that's what happened. Well, right. Were you already behind? Oh, And wait, you're just getting was... windmilled, right? Turnstile, yeah, the whole game. Yeah, yeah the whole wow. game. And it's not, it fun. When, it's not when, fun. When I was 10 years old, my parents said, movie. hey, if you want, we'll put you in hockey. Mm-hmm. And all my friends played like rap. And I'm like, dude, it's I'm going to have a terrible time. So Somebody should no. put that in a profile yeah. somewhere. <laughs> they should include that line in a profile. I'm glad I started it. It'd be really good. I caught up. But it took a lot of time. It took a lot of practice. Right? So what they've done now, and that's not fun, right? right? So yeah. you you peeled out. You didn't pursue it. Um, I didn't even get on the ice. Right? right? Yeah. So what they do now is um, Hockey Canada had developed, I think it's something like 35 years ago, this thing they call the initiation program. They didn't mandate it. So, you know, Sweden, a lot of Scandinavian countries mandated it. USA Hockey adopted it. Uh, somebody named Austin Matthews ended up playing in a system very familiar to this. And what they do is, so at four, five, and six, you don't play full ice because that's ridiculous. Why would you play that yeah. full sheet of ice? 200 feet for a kid with it's like little legs. The best thing ridiculous. is yeah. it, the first period intermission where they do the Timbits hockey and you watch them just go and yeah. it takes them like 15 <laughs> seconds just all the way 30 strides end. to get from yeah. blue line to blue line. <laughs> Which yeah. is, oddly enough, uh, pretty representative of what we did on the ice on Friday. Yes. Night, so. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. But yeah, so what they do now is they divide the ice into thirds. So you play half uh, sideboard to sideboard. So if you think about, you divide it into thirds. So from the blue line in and the blue line in playing sideboard to sideboard, you have two games. So you right. have eight kids in each game, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the middle, you have a water station and some skills development where they go around cones and do that stuff. And then you rotate. So the kids are on the ice for the full hour. So instead of and driving just, and you know being on the ice one every three shifts, you're on the ice basically the whole time. The second best part of this, there's no scoreboard. So there's no parents yelling, shoot, shoot. So there's a lot of people who are upset about that. Oh, 100%, because it doesn't look like hockey. And that's the point. And, and the, the genius of this is that we're talking about, you know, your memories of being up at the cottage and sort of the, the weird 
sense of purity of just being out there on the ice and playing. So what it allows is at this entry level now, it sort of replicates pond hockey. There's no adults out there yelling at them because there's no scoreboard. I mean, the adults, the parents are all all leaning over the, the railings, drinking their terrible arena coffee that's been filtered through a sweat sock. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and they're watching it. But what they're watching is the kids are just goofing around. They're, they're spinning, they're passing, they're touching the puck more, they're shooting the puck more. Goalies are facing more shots. And then as they get up, um, you know, at novice, so our, our, our son's eight years old, they now play half ice. So they put a big sort of you know, temporary arena uh, board in the middle on the red line, and you can have two games going at once. Wow. So again, you come off the ice for one shift, you're on. You know, so you're on every other shift. But again, you can have the kids who have been skating since they were spermatozoa at one end, and they can swim like sharks and kill each other over here. And then you have the kids who are learning at their own pace at the other end. So they can touch the puck more. They can build confidence, develop their skills at their own pace. And eventually, guess what happens? If they have fun, they will catch up with the other kids. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens is that, you know, the challenge with hockey is that they stream kids out by the time they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, which is just bonkers because they're not having fun or they're getting turnstiled. Whereas other sports, you know, such as basketball or football, that you can walk into high school and be like, hey, I've got four years here uh, to develop both physically, mentally, emotionally. That's not both. That's three things. <laughs> um, and and I have plenty. I have a longer window to develop into this game. Whereas hockey, we seem to say, oh, if you're not a superstar by 12, sorry, dude. Sorry, yes. sorry little girl. You're out. Yeah. Um, so what, what Tom Rennie's doing and what Hockey Canada is doing by implementing this system, um, which will then continue to go up until about the peewee level, um, is trying to preserve some of that fun. That's just one aspect. But again, there was huge pushback. In Toronto, there were threats of lawsuits of, you can't tell me how to teach my children how to play hockey. There are renegade leagues for five-year-olds where parents can have their children play full ice. They're not sanctioned by Hockey Canada. They cost a ton of money. They're run, you know, kind of a sort of aside from the regular Hockey Canada programming. But you can have your little daughter play full ice if you want at five years of age. Imagine running a renegade league for an actual toddler. But you know what you're doing? You're making tons of money. Oh, because oh, yeah. there's so much money. In I got to tell you, when I first heard that they weren't keeping score, I kind of hated it because one of the things that I loved um, is yelling at little children. You got to shoot I the puck. You're the guy at the Arcana Center. I shoot. love that. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I there you don't score. You're walking home. The reason I hated it was because you took so much pride in winning. But the kids uh, but keep then, score. But the kids know what the score is. For sure, the kids do. And I, I, mean, and I, I thought about that later. Right, because hmm. initially it's a new idea, so you're like, reject it. And then, well, maybe I'll think about that 100%. a little bit. And, and so what I what I remember was I, I hated to lose, but I had to learn how. I had to learn how to accept that. And I think the argument against what you're saying is, well, you know, these kids are never going to learn how to lose. We're just going to hold their hand th through life and, and, and they've got to learn how to lose. But the kids do know. Yeah. Like they, they're oh, keeping yeah. track of how many goals they had. Like we do. Steve just mentioned it here. He talked about how many goals he had and I how do. many goals Jesse had. I know how many and goals we're I scored. In our 30s. <laughs> like, and, and so, you know, and then, so that's something that, that they'll keep track of anyway. Um, I wish the reasoning that was brought up in opposition of this was as deeply thought out as the point you just raised. Because a lot of it that I heard in some of the meetings was like, well, how are they going to learn offsides? Oh. There's no blue line. How are they going to learn offsides? They're not. They're not learning the proper game, and it's like, well, no, they'll pick that up. Dude, they don't know how to move yet. No, I mean, some mm -hmm. of them still Skate like, like five years old. If you think back, like, 
Oh, there's still like a 30% chance that at least once a month they're peeing in the bed at night. Like they're not reading full chapter books. Like why do they need to know offside? <laughs> Who cares? So just let's have them handle the poop I'm projecting. That's actually just me that has that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, I, I peed the bed till later. So uh, much, much later. All the way through freshman year. <laughs> I did last night. The Leafs lost. It's a habit of mine. Um, there, was a, there was a tweet last night from Evolving Wild. That was, which is Adam's burner account. I'm That's convinced. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is smart Adam. Yeah, and it was just. Do you ever just stop and think about how hard hockey is? So, like, when I was playing soccer at like four or five, six years old, you want to keep score. Then I think that's fine. Hockey at that age, dude, you don't even know what you're doing. You don't have full control of your body when you're on the ice. What's the point of man learning the rules, let alone keeping score? It's it's fun now that, like, it, the really fun part is is watching them when they do develop and they do learn. And and so we, I, I, we spent, I don't know how long here, just crapping all over the game at the grassroots level. That we um, all love. That yeah. we all love. <laughs> um, and, and there's a reason, because it, it is hockey, and we pick on it because it, it, you know, historically has a lot of meaning to us. But the real benefit here is that, I mean, you mentioned the growth the curve like hockey is a strange game to pick up especially at four or five six but now that like we're at you know for the eldest eight going on nine and the youngest who's four and in hockey school um you see what they learn and the confidence so you know there's a tournament in buffalo last year and there were seven and eight back then and so we stayed in niagara falls at a hotel and they had a couple games downtown and a beautiful outdoor facility that they have in Buffalo. Like, gorgeous, gorgeous. It's covered uh, covered outdoor arena. And then a couple up in, in Niagara Falls. But every second that they weren't on the ice, they're in the hotel pool. Every second that they weren't in the hotel pool or on the ice, they're playing mini sticks in the rented uh, room that we had. And then they're having pizza together. They're playing tag. They're hanging out. The parents are hanging out. So, you know, we live in the most populous city in Canada. And our corner of East York feels like Norwood or like, you know, Listowel, Letterkenny. Um, it feels like something like that because you know the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, that, you know, these kids don't go to school together. But, you know, they are from, I mean, again, not as varied as they should be, but they're from different backgrounds, different parts. And they build that one, the physical literacy of being on the ice and doing all that crazy stuff on the ice. But the social engagement, the fun stuff that they're going to remember forever that, you know, maybe they don't have the cottage where they can go and, and skate outdoors because, by the way, you know, there's just icebergs now because the whole lake's belted. Right. Um, but they have those memories of playing hockey and they'll have those relationships for probably a little bit longer than they will for the kids that they went to kindergarten with because they're playing hockey with these kids for three, four, five years. Mm -hmm. And that's the real benefit that they have so much fun. And it is so great that they can go and have these different experiences. We're going to a tournament in Barrie and we're staying in a some hotel up there that has a pool and stuff like that this winter. And the kids are going to have a blast. It is such a wonderful experience. But wouldn't it be even more wonderful if everybody could experience that and not just people with the means? Right. That's the point. Yeah. We're fortunate. Um, we're lucky. We have the flexibility um, to take time off work. Hey, boss. Shame the myrtle. Um <laughs> Like, we have that ability. We are lucky. We are. Um, so why why can't everybody have the same experience? Because you know what? Used to. Mm -hmm. Canadians used to. Gordie Howe learned to skate with a pair of rusty skates from a rucksack during the Great Depression. Like, why, well, yeah. why can't why we get is back it when to this, somewhere When this country back? was at its poorest, the game was easiest 
easier for people hmm. to get to than now. Think of how many guys have their names up in the rafters at Scotiabank Arena, and you're like, did, did that? I mean, they're hanging in Bay Street now, but like, did they have parents who worked on Bay Street? No. no. They worked in mining towns. They, I mean, the, the origin stories for these guys are, are from all over the place. But, but now, compare and contrast you know, the, the best Leafs of the past with the current Leafs now. And this, I'm not blaming anybody on the Leafs for where they came from. Like, that's, but take a look at where these, where these kids come from. It's not from those northern mining towns anymore. Right. Right. Wow. Well, you know what? It's it's going to be a fascinating read, and you got to you got to check out uh, before the lights go out with Sean Fitzgerald. I'm sure, what, Sean, we're, we're going to reference this for the rest of the show, but we do need to get to what happened in hockey in yeah. the last few days. Um, I feel like I haven't spoken for half an hour. <laughs> I'm, I've just been a student. I, I feel yeah. like I'm like this show sounds really great with us not talking. About it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, can you like uh, frig off and not steal our jobs or uh... Sean? Uh, you were at the game last night, right? You covered it? I was. So, it was my first game of the year. Sorry so, about that, Mitch Marner. Uh, yeah, right? So uh, so it's all Sean's fault, just in, ca- in case anyone wants to know. But um, we were, you know, obviously coming out of the first period, you know, they're down to nothing. But pretty much everybody thinks, and Steve, I, I need you on this one too. Yeah, sorry. Um, everybody thinks coming out of that first period that they deserve better. I I looked at it as they made their own luck. A little bit. Um, I'm not quite sure how the partial three-on-two started on the first goal, Mm -hmm. but uh, Barry, I guess, didn't quite trust Matthews enough. All of a sudden, they're weak on one side, which should be fine because Jake Muzzin broke up the pass. Oh, he whacked it straight to a flyer, and now they're boned, and he puts on a perfect shot. The second one, on the power play, uh, or on the penalty kill, I guess. Uh, Mikheyev, dumb penalty. Mm-hmm. Was not a smart penalty, and the ref gave him two chances before that. Uh, Freddie the Goat was playing more PK than I was used to him seeing, and this was before Marner even got hurt. And I, I didn't like him out there at all. And then because he well, blows, isn't he just the faceoff guy, and then he goes off? Isn't that supposed that's to be what, his how role? it's supposed to go? But it doesn't always work out that way, right? Because if you lose that faceoff, all of a sudden you're just a straight up penalty killer. Um, so he botches that. He attacked the point when he shouldn't have, if I know the Leafs penalty kill correctly. Justin Hall is completely in no man's land. Connecting takes a shot and it goes off a friggin' shin. Yep. So I thought it was a bit of bad luck. I thought they made their own bad luck. They fought back to tie it with one of their best players injured and then they lost in the thing that's not even hockey. Right. The, that's the how shootout. I looked at the game. Sean, what did you see? Would you like, would you not like? I mean... And also, can I ask you quickly? Absolutely. Were you there for the Mike Babcock comments about Tyson Berry before the game? No, I had uh, I had an eight-year-old hockey practice. Oh, I had to course. be there in the morning, so I wasn't there for the morning skate. So before you get priorities, into, priorities. Before, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, before you get into those, before you get into your thoughts, I know I've just asked you that about question, the, but I, the, the Tyke hockey practice, or uh, no, well, okay. uh, we do want to get those too. Okay. But the Tyson Berry comments from Mike Babcock saying, "Hey, you know, he's going to have to adjust uh, because he's not going to get first-line power play like he used to." So he's it's he's got to you know reinvent himself. Is in in both your estimation is that an unfair ask for Mike Babcock to 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 be for Mike for Tyson Berry or does Tyson Berry have enough skill that it you know yeah he might take a deduction a little bit in points this year but it shouldn't matter he should still play better. 
It shouldn't matter. He should still play better. He's a professional. But, I mean, it was also kind of a thing to watch on that first power play. I think he got on for the last 40 seconds, and 20 of it was spent behind his net, stick handling, looking for an outlet because they're in the middle of a change. And I felt kind of bad. I'm like, here you are, 40 seconds. Oh, you got to wait for a play to develop. And then it was a turnover. So it it was like watching me play on a power play. <laughs> it's just like a lot of lost opportunity. They, like, I know people were, were yelling for the first power play to get more time. And it looks like they're they're getting more this year, but it's to the point where I'm like, why even have a second unit? Because of that twenty second, they're really they have twenty to thirty seconds to make something happen. Yeah, and it's just not going to happen. And it's probably only because you can't possibly leave Morgan Riley out there for two minutes because if they do get caught in the defensive zone after the penalty's over, it's like, well, he's just going to lie down and sort of take a nap and catch his breath. Like, there was a moment in the third period. Yeah, there was a moment in the third period where I'm like, has he left the ice? Like he he was just playing so so much yeah but so but now you get this guy you traded an extremely good player to get him what are you gonna do how are you gonna utilize this and asset? what is the right way to use him yeah you have a right handed shot who knows how to generate scoring uh, that you've been dying for and you have him for less than three million dollars because for whatever reason Joe Sakic decided to retain half and all it cost you was like Callie Rosen he was really good in the second unit uh, three on three in overtime. So you had Morgan Riley come out, and mm-hmm. then you had Tyson Berry go out. So then those five minutes, maybe that's what you're playing for. Right. Just or, a, and, just and a really good five. dynamic defensive skater. And then, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I don't know what you do with the power play because, I mean, Morgan Riley kind of deserves it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's 70-point season. Yeah. No, right. he's, he's pretty, I mean, not, I don't want to take it too complex above my understanding here, but he's he's pretty good at hockey. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, I've he's, heard that. He's fast. He's yeah. dynamic. He, he's been here a long time. Like, it's it's his show. I, I think. So I don't know how you take that away from him unless there's a fear of wear and tear. I mean, certainly he can't play 30 minutes a night. So maybe that's the way you get around. It's like, hey, we need you to rest up because, you know, if you get 30 minutes a night in November, that's not as important as 30 minutes a night in late April, early May. Right. What, what gets me is, okay, first unit, second unit, whatever. He's allowed to score five on five. And last year with the Avalanche, he did. And he's still on pace for, I want to say, 25 points on the entire season. So I, w- I went back and I looked at some of the things the Avalanche did to help him succeed, and I just don't really feel like the Leafs do that. They scored? They scored. There was that. But, like, Nathan McKinnon, at- A, attacking with speed, and B, attacking the middle with speed, which they just don't do. Tyson Berry being allowed to fly into the zone, well, which didn't they t- just don't didn't do. Didn't Tyson Berry have a quote not that long ago where he said that, you know, McKinnon would sometimes chirp him if he left the ice too early? Because he wanted him on the ice with him that often, like that's that's wow. a, that's a pretty good pat on the back, right? Like, but the thing is, is you've got Morgan Riley, yeah, right. Like, what do you do? Are they, I don't, I don't know. I think we've all seen the drop pass thing that they're doing. They keep drop yeah. passing, drop no. pass, drop pass. What is this <laughs> development that you're talking about? Is there another team in the league that drop passes as much as they do? And and haven't teams haven't we figured out by now that teams picked up on that about eighteen months ago and they cannot. Are you talking about the zone entry? The zone entry yeah. stuff is so it's painful to watch and yet it's like and every time they do it, every time you know who it's going to, you know it'll end up with Morgan Morgan Riley or Mitch Marner. It's going to be one of the two, and then they're going to try to skate it up, and then they'll drop it to the other guy, and then try to get it to Nylander. Nylander tries to get it across, and then they gain zone entry. But. I think we Teams drastically, know. drastically overestimated the impact Paul McFarlane was going to have. This power play looks identical to last year's, except Matthews and Marner switched. 
But then why is that? If they brought in a guy specifically to fix an issue, a guy who clearly had success in Florida, I think it was the number two power play in the league, and then he comes in and then nothing changes, then why did what was the change? Like, Maybe we oversimplified the issue. I don't know. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Like may, maybe we're overestimating. Like, like it's it's not as simple as DJ Smith did the penalty kill, and I didn't like the penalty kill, so he has to go. And uh, you know Jim Hiller did the power play, and I didn't like the power play, so Jim Hiller's got to go. Paul McFarlane had a good power play in Florida, so we bring him in, and all of a sudden it's the second. But then what else the could it be? League. Sorry, whose voice is that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's my dumb brain voice. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, well, he does this. Okay, this. so if it didn't fix, then what what was happening? I don't mean to pick on the guy, but the one constant on the coaching staff is the head coach. Well, it's also the players. It's also the players. So, I don't know. But maybe the players, the players just suck on the power play. Do you think that my, that all those guys want to drop pass all day? <laughs> no. I don't think yeah. so. I don't think so. I think they want to blow up through blow through the neutral zone. Yes. I think they mm-hmm. want to skate because they can. I think they want to pass because they can. Why are we so? And I and I wonder if if McFarland's coming in on. Well, I got to take some. Uh, some uh, uh, action or direction from Mike Babcock. It's mm-hmm. not like he can just be out on his own and do whatever he wants. And Mike's like, yeah, whatever. You do that. You think Mike Babcock's the kind of guy that's not going to want some control over that? And that's that's uh, to your point, Steve. I think there might be an issue there. And I wonder how long are they going to continue to go with this? And Sean, I, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on this. How long are they going to keep doing this, banging their heads against the wall before they go? We got to change this. Yeah, I mean. There's a piece up on The Athletic uh, a couple Boom. days ago. Never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, never heard of it. It's great. <laughs> uh, I think it was Ian, Ian Tullock had it, um, you know, sort of mulling through some of this, which is, you know, basically why the Leafs are playing boring hockey these days. Why is it boring? And, and like, yeah, for the first period, like, it was it was really boring last night. Like, they were down to nothing. There was nothing that's like, wow, that's awesome. I mean, Mitch Marner went flying through the air. But it's, it's a low-event game that they're playing now. And more than that, yeah, there's the drop pass and, and the zone entry issues on the power play. But... Also, that you know, what Ian highlighted was they're also really relying on shots from the point, like low percentage shots from the point to get to the net. And if you take a look at the heat map, it is left point, right point, and not a lot of shots coming from the slot, which you would usually equate with the score zone, which is what it was last year. So something fundamentally in that planning has shifted. And, you know, the, the, the question was, you know, is it something where they're, you know, working with a, a defensive zone or a defensive minded system or a low percentage system, you know, with the mind that eventually they're going to free them and say, hey, here's how you play responsibly defensively. Now, you know, incorporate that with your natural instincts to go play and, and score lots of goals. But it, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. So the, the big long winded answer is I have no idea. What would, what would be the point of having this much talent up front, this much offensive talent up front and paying, playing low, uh, low event hockey? Like that doesn't make any sense. You're playing like you play low event hockey when you don't have skill. When your team, when you are compensating, when you're going, like what the Leafs were in 15-16 when Babcock took over, that team played low event hockey because that team needed to. If they, if they, they went sucked. and played, if they played run <laughs> and gun, like, you know, they, they were a team of fourth liners if, or, or not even that. And if you play run and gun on that style with that, with that talent group, well, you're going to get torched every night. Uh, and that, that group looked good because they bought into the, well, we're going to have to play low event. And it's, you know, they, they, they were kind of a team you could sort of get behind. Um, 16-17 was so fun because they tried to teach them to defend, and then at some point they were just like, all right, I guess you don't know how to do that, so go have fun. Yeah. And they just tried to win every game 5-4, and they won enough of them that they made the playoffs. So, it was awesome. So how, what could possibly be the logic 
of not playing to that? What could possibly be the reason that you have $40 million wrapped up in four forwards and you are, you're not going to play high event hockey? I mean, come on. That, that, that just to me is there's a, there's, that's a disconnect to me between um, what this team is and what someone wants them I to be. I think it's pretty clear. I think, I think everybody's talked about the answer that actually naming it is that the Zach Hyman's the Hart Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, man. I think that's, I think that's the answer it, that nobody's really brave enough to say right here. And Steve's mentioned it before, Sean, but like, should a team be, should a line be this affected by Zach Hyman not being there? Should a team be this affected because they don't have Hyman and Dermott? Really? Like, I mean, I, not to understate, no, sorry, not to take away from what those guys bring, but really? I mean, line makeup's kind of interesting, you know, in the modern game, you know, left wing, right wing, center. I mean, it might be one thing for our beer league team or the, the team that will hit the ice uh, <laughs> later this week. Um, whereas now it's sort of, you know, different defined roles where you have somebody goes in and digs, somebody can go in and distribute, and somebody can go in and finish. And I think maybe that, yeah, like Hyman's the guy who can go in there and he's not going to necessarily dangle, but he will be a bulldog in the corner, dig it out, and then sort of send it down the assembly line. So, you know, maybe, m- maybe that's it. Maybe I, it is. I just can't help but feel... And I, I hate picking on the coach and going back to the coach, but it just feels like an I'm right fest. The the Barry is not what I need, and Muzzin can't play on the right. Well, Barry plays on the right there, Mike. And Hyman's pretty good, huh? Remember that comment? Hyman's pretty good, huh? Yeah. And also the, the usage of Jason Spezza and, and how this could how this could eventually really hamstring Kyle Dubas if say you want to get other low cost UFAs in town and you know if this poor guy gets waived and ends up playing in the HL and then you go down to another person who might come on a discount and oh by the way nah you might end up in the ECHL but hey come on. Yeah, Patan's gonna play center. How about I try that once we lose and I say fuck you forever? Like <laughs> which is basically what happened. That's basically what happened to that hockey player. How long can they go this way? How long can this continue? Aren't we done here? I, I, I need to know, what, what was that? Well, I, I, I said when the Leafs were losing, and now they won three straight and then lost in the shootout. Uh, I, I said, guys, Do you credit them as full three wins for those? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Vegas, and then two other... L.A., and was it Philly? Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah. they, do you get do you get there you were get a couple sloppy ones. Do you get half points in there for a, a close win over LA? And... You know the way they were playing, I'm like good. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. At least you That's won, fair. and then they played Vegas. Tight, Just ask. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get where you're coming from, and believe me, my mentions have been full of it. <laughs> but I, I just I look at the constant. I look at the the trend. I look at Justin Hall and go, they didn't let him play hockey last year. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a huge. From the outside looking in, disconnect between the coach and the GM. And at some point, I I still stand by what I said a couple weeks ago. I think if it were 100% up to the GM, he'd be gone by now. There's no He undercuts him at every turn. At every turn. Every move he makes is not good enough for him. And at what point is this just not a match? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Sean, a match. Sean, what do you think the, the makeup of that is? The makeup of the relationship, makeup of the relationship, and the makeup of Kyle Dubas's opinion. Like, do the you power think, structure? Yeah. Hmm. Do you think that Kyle Dubas went to management this offseason? We have no, we we don't know. 
Do you think Kyle Dubas went to upper management and said, I want to let this guy go? And they said, no, he's got to hang out one more year. Do you think that he's insanely patient? Because he doesn't, Kyle Dubas is a lot of things. He doesn't strike me as an insanely patient person no. based on the moves he made this summer. I mean, I, that, I, anything I'd have would just be pure. I have no. Uh, yeah, we're not. That is so uh, I just want your opinion pain, on this right? one. Yeah. That's the lifeblood of this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're not reporters. <laughs> we're just talking. So I, can I, Guessing. Can I, yeah. Can I, can this I call is a Steve Dangle journalistic podcast. Yeah. Um, no, the thing is, the thing that I mean, what's always fascinated me, and I'm, I'm not going to dance entirely around the question of Mike Babcock as a character study has always fascinated me, and more so over the last couple of years. And this one's going to seem like it starts in left field, and maybe it might end in left field. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> um, I did a story, I think it was last year. Um, I just showed up at the skate for the first time in a long time, stood in the back of the room, and listened to Mike Babcock talk. I'd just come back from Saskatoon reporting for the book. And when I went to Saskatoon, what struck me was none of these people sound like Mike Babcock. Oh, like, okay. Like, I didn't go to the 7-Eleven and it's like, hey, you know, can I get this pack of gum? Yep, that'll be 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, nobody's no, like that. Sound like normal like no. people, yeah. Yeah, can I get my coffee? You want the large double-double? Okay. You got a high motor in there. It's real good coffee. Yeah, right? Real yeah. good coffee, real good so energy. Like real Yogi good energy. Bear. Well, yeah. that's it, right? Yeah, he loves coffee. Right. So I came back and I'm like... <laughs> Filters hard. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Those good men loves paywalls. <laughs> That's I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, anyway. So I came back and, and I'm standing there and I'm like, one, I have no idea what he's talking about because all I can think about is his accent. Like what that like what is what accent right? come from? No, that's exactly it. So yeah. I'm sitting there and and I'm like this isn't from Saskatoon, like unless I went to the wrong Saskatoon. <laughs> like did did I book the wrong friggin' airline ticket? So what I did was, because I'm a professional journalist and I take things very seriously, I started calling linguists. I started calling linguists at the University of Toronto, University of Manitoba, uh, University of Saskatchewan, I believe, and started asking them, like, okay, I'd send them uh, audio files of Mike Babcock talking. Oh, my God. You sent linguists, amazing. doctors, people yeah. who were studying yeah, 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 yeah. Mike Babcock. Mike okay, Babcock this is talking. great. Right? <laughs> so, and here's the background on Mike Babcock, is that he grew up, uh, some of his early formative years were in a place because his dad was either in mining or geology or maybe one of those two things or both. Grew up in a place called Tungsten, which I think was in the Yukon, mm. and it only existed because of, hey, guess what? Tungsten. Tungsten. Yeah, I guess. You are, you know this story. Yeah. And then they moved uh, to a place um, in northern Manitoba that existed only by the grace of the government, again, for mining. So the people who lived in Tungsten, guess what? Weren't born and raised in Tungsten. They came from all over the place. And the people in uh, northern Manitoba, again, from all over the place, the north, everywhere. And then finally settled in Regina when he was a teenager, and that's sort of where he, you know, he sort of identifies as being from there. So as, as, if you think about it growing up, you'd have picked up accents the way you talk. Like we have a southern Ontario accent, which sounds like southern Ontario to us, but mm -hmm, it might mm -hmm. sound something to somebody else. So he picked all of this up, and it's this weird sort of melange of, like, letter Kenny meets Yogi Bear meets all of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's part of it. So, you know, the, the linguists identified, okay, these are some of the regional dialects. These are some of how the vowels sound. This is some of the, the nomenclature. This is some of the, the way the words sound. That's one part of it. The second part of it is, and this gets into Mike Babcock, is that, okay, so he grew up in, in Saskatoon, but then he went and he... he coached, uh, came, you know, went to McGill, so he lived in Montreal. Uh, then he went out west and coached again. Then he went to London, 
and coached in the UK. Mm-hmm. Then he moved to, you know, LA. By the way, his London flow, that hair. Right? Oh, oh yeah. So, the hair was great. Then he, so, then he lived in <laughs> Southern California. And then he lived in Michigan. And those are, you know, some of them especially have real strong regional dialects. Sure, like, yeah. I don't know if this happens to you guys. Like, sometimes I'll be interviewing somebody on the phone from, say, the U.S. South. And I'll be talking to, like, a football coach in Alabama or, you know, a hockey coach somewhere in Tennessee for a story. And just through the course of a long conversation, I might start twanging some accents just because that's what I'm hearing, you know, coming back at me over the phone. And, you know, nobody's called me on it yet. They're like, are you making fun of me? I'm like, no, it's just subconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to drop a y'all, but like, you know, you start reflecting, maybe you, you flatten out some of your A's or your, your accents because it's just, you're listening, you're empathetic, you, you just can't help it. Right. It happens it's a lot. like, yeah, if you live in England, you're going to start yes. to sound British after a while. Yes, exactly. Um, but Mike Babcock, Went to England, went to Michigan, went to L.A. Guess what? He sounds exactly like friggin' Mike Babcock would have been about 30 years ago, right? So, talking to uh, the linguists, like, how does this happen? Like, you know, people develop accents usually where they move. And they said, well, what that usually indicates is, is that somebody has a very strong, unshakable sense of self and self-confidence. <laughs> and awareness of who they are and feel absolutely no need to um, not conform with wherever it is they are because this is who they are, this is who they've always been. Wow. Sean, you ever go to the TFC game and have an Italian sausage there? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that about? Uh, yeah. un- it was freaking believable. Funny, but unfreaking, like, <laughs> unfreaking believable. Unfreaking believable. Because that's what he does, though. He brings you in and then he goes, all right, let's talk hockey. Yeah. And that yeah. to me, that to me is Mike Babcock. Yeah. From his accent. And I'm yeah. sorry, that's a shaggy dog story. But like, Damn, that, to me, that. Oh. that to me is Mike Babcock, that this is this is who he is. This <laughs> is what's got him here. He is, by the way, one of the most successful ever to do his job anywhere in, in the NHL. Um, and he is who he is. He is who he was. And he is who he always will be. And good luck. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so with that, Jesse, um, I, yeah. I'm going to add you the TV remote. I because uh, what I know, I according to Ken Campbell, uh, is that um, from what he was what he was told, uh, Ron McLean is going to address last night's comments at the top of hometown hockey, which for us right now will start in about five minutes. So we're going to try to get it up, and if we do, we'll pause, we'll watch, and then we'll react. Address what happened last night on Hockey Night in Canada. Don Cherry made remarks which were hurtful, discriminatory, uh, which were flat out wrong. Uh, we at Sportsnet have apologized. Uh, it certainly doesn't stand for what Sportsnet or Rogers represents. Uh, we know diversity is the strength of the country. Uh, we see it in the travels with our show and with Hockey Night in Canada. So I owe you an apology too. That's the big thing that I want to emphasize. I sat there, uh, did not catch it, did not respond. Um, Catherine Denise, uh, it's on a First Nation, uh, once said, uh, in any wrongdoing, the, the real key is recognition and acknowledgement. And I wanted to let you know Uh, that first, uh, and then you work on the relationship uh, so that it isn't divisive, so that something can be a a unifying event. Uh, Idle No More was a great lesson to all of us. Last night was a really great lesson to Don and me. We were wrong, uh, and I sincerely apologize, and I wanted to thank you uh, for calling me and Don on that last night. Okay. So, um, I, I don't know, by this point, you've, you've seen the, uh, you may have seen the apology. Essentially, if you didn't, um, the, the, it, it basically went like this, and I will paraphrase this because I'm not going to try to attempt to say what Ron McLean said word for word. You can look it up online. It's available. Um, Do you want me to insert? 
that'd be great. Can you hear that? So people have heard it. Bingo. On the podcast. <laughs> so here's the deal. He owned it. He, rec- he, he acknowledged. He Ron. owned. Ron. Yes. Acknowledged. Owned. And said, you know, we got to. Uh, and and reference, and I think this is important, reference that some people have been hurt and relationships need to be uh, mended and rebuilt. And, and frankly, new ones need to be forged, uh, you know, based on what our, our conversation earlier uh, in, in the show. However, I have to say personally that I think it's awful toothless and awful gutless that Don Cherry was not there. He made he, yeah. Ron had to jump on the grenade. So why does why does Ron McLean, who played a pretty minor role in this, and he said on he said I didn't catch it, and that's sort of what I thought might have been happening. Now you could say, you, you could say it was wrong anyway, and it was, but for me personally, and these are just my thoughts. How is they're in Welland tonight? Welland ain't far. Don lives in Mississauga. Yeah. Why yeah. isn't he there? Because Ron is eloquent and can talk. I assume there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that prevent him from being there. Even yeah. so. Whether it be his job on the line or him being bullish about it. There's, there's, That's there's, the part that worries me. Yeah. That he doesn't want to apologize. Exactly. Yes. And well, I don't think he does. Exactly. Because he's got Twitter. There's a reason we haven't heard from him. Yeah. Well, and A, Don should apologize. B... Is there anywhere he should be less than in front of a camera at this moment? Especially, like, they couldn't put him on live there. I wouldn't trust him at this point. Dear God. Yeah. You. I'm going to get in shit. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's. Go um, on, Ron. Sean, what do you think? What did you catch from that? I'm just going to sit here and watch Steve trying to swallow his tongue here. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Until I, I choke. Think, it's, actually, listen, it's actually bleeding. You can see it coming out of his mouth. The only way He's just you get in trouble so hard. is if, you, if, you, if there's conjecture about something being untrue. I think you're ta- we're asking you yeah. your opinion. Oh, if I can borrow a line from Leonard Ketty, fucking embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Sean? That is a line from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? I mean, listen. I know you're working on a story for this, and I want you to blow no, the whole no, thing. No, 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 no. I, I think it's interesting that Don wasn't part of it. I do. I think Steve. Did you think he was going to be a part of it? <sighs> okay. So the the thing about it being in Welland is there's like there's technology that you could do a double ender, and that's where you're both on the screen. So Ron could have been like Brady Bunch, you know, uh, with with Don over his shoulder saying yes, 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 or no, no, no. Uh, they could have done done a double ender, but I suspect that uh, Jesse was right too that. Having Dawn on live television the day after that would be like playing with fire while also maybe covering yourself with uh, aviation fuel. And um, <laughs> like it, there's, there's, there's some inherent risk involved, and the stakes, I think, would be so high for Sportsnet and Rogers right now with corporate sponsors whose names are attached. Like, it's, it's what, this isn't the Scotiabank. No, this is Rogers' hometown hockey. Yeah. But Scotiabank is like a presenting sponsor. Budweiser is the presenting sponsor. Yeah, for, the clip of Don that went on to Twitter yeah. had Budweiser right in the middle of right? it. Right? You know, like, they can't be happy There's about some that. heavy hitters uh, as part of this. Like, there's there's a lot uh, on the line. So that if this was live, like, you're, you're, on, the, you're on the high wire above Niagara Falls. Like that's that's what Ron just had to walk there, and if you had mm-hmm. Don Cherry jumping up and down on that high wire, like who knows what could have happened. So I mean, yeah. I, I, with all of that being said, if Don was out there and was contrite, 
and did say this isn't what I meant or I'm sorry or I I've learned a lot over the last 24 hours or whatever, mm-hmm. um, contrition would have been important and would have been key. Um, the fact that he wasn't there um, now, I think, uh, lets this all live for at least another six days because everybody's going to be wondering what happens Saturday. So if Don's there, does he address it? Does he not address it? Does Don not make it to Saturday? Does something happen in between? Does Rogers issue a press release to say, you know, we, we've evaluated, we've talked to people, and we've decided to make this move, dot, dot, dot. One His thing, Twitter account, he uh, has one, and it's filtered. You can You can prim and proper it up as much as you like. It's filtered. By a woman who, by the way, has such tenure in the industry that the fact that she has to do that is so beneath her. What were you going to say, Jesse? (laughs) Just going to say, as someone who enjoys watching Toronto sports media, I'm very interested to see how it plays out tomorrow on uh, the outlet TSN and Sportsnet on just how much they're allowed to talk about it over their airwaves. And what their bosses are well, going to say that they're allowed I'll, I'll to, be honest, and they not can't a say. single person has tweeted about it. Not a single sports personality. Have I, have sports I have not seen a single one. That, that's and, what I'm interested and, to see. Like, and, and have they been told by upper management, "Hey, well, and, this and, is right. the mandate." And Scott MacArthur tweeted about it, and he's got a relatively big role. Right, he's on the Fan Morning Show. Michael Grange, Michael, Grange. Michael Grange has tweeted that he's wearing a poppy uh, on mm. air as a symbol for uh, all caps all Canadians mm-hmm. um, all of like so he he has tweeted about it he's mm-hmm. he's retweeted there have been there have been yes okay uh, fair I, enough. I don't know if you can but this it is all. the biggest story in hockey right now is it going to lead every sports show on the network tomorrow no well, if Mitch Marner comes out tonight and he has a torn Achilles, then that's the biggest story. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Babcock, yeah. by the way, did, uh, I'm sorry, did talk Steve. about that. Uh, apparently, apparently I, I, know Mitch been, stiff. I know it's been a big day for you already. <laughs> he's stiff? Is that... He says he's stiff. He says he's real stiff. Real stiff. That's, uh, so that's good news. I hope so. Maybe a high ankle sprain or something. But that's not great news if it is a high ankle the sprain, fact... but it's still not... A rip it, ripped up, torn up ankle or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but like the fact he got, he got back <laughs> on the ice at like at all... Suggests that it's not something, yeah, twice. Suggests, and looked like he wanted to finish the game, suggests it's not catastrophic. Like, he shouldn't have finished that game, and he shouldn't be playing tonight. So, all that's above board. Right. Back to what we were saying is that, uh, you know, I think. So, you're embarrassed? Yeah. It's mortifying, man. Like,. like, No, tell us how you feel. And you're you're not. Listen. I don't want you to be afraid because I don't think you're going to say anything that's going to be like, well. No, I know. I, I'm <laughs> trying to, no, I'm trying to figure out, uh, Sportsnet's not the victim here, right? No. So I'm trying to talk about it in a way that properly articulates my feelings uh, without trying to make this about Sportsnet. You know what I mean? They're they're not the victims here. But uh, I I get to see the statement come out from the company and... It's it's one giant company. They can only make one statement. But I get to see, you know, all these people that I work with, like, on a daily basis go, fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, go, oh, oh yeah. For yeah, because it's not representative of the other employees. That's for sure. Like, if, if you're, if you manage the social accounts, just resign to the fact that it's going to be a shitty week for you. If you do anything online, just resign to the fact that it's going to be a shitty week for you. And... Like anyone who's working on hockey night, like your whole week's efforts are going towards this upcoming Saturday and somehow redeeming yourselves. 
and knowing that um, it all hinges on uh, a guy who won't, won't even get on camera and apologize for it all. And how, how do you win? How do you win, right? It, it, like if you're if you're an employee or if you're Sportsnet the brand. If you're an employee, you don't. You don't. The employees, unfortunately, what, what whatever the employees believe, uh, and I can tell you from the limited time I worked there, uh, they are um, a inclusive, kind, good group of people. I loved it there. It was so much fun. And, There's and, one guy who can make this close to better, and he hasn't shown up. Yeah. And That's I what it is. The worst part about it, and again, Jesse, I think you made a really good point. It's It seems like it's either they don't trust him to say it properly or he doesn't want to apologize. They're both mm-hmm. unacceptable answers. Right. But what's <laughs> unfortunate is about is is these guys that the guys that are not Don Cherry, that Don Cherry is probably not thinking about when he makes those comments, is all the people that are there every single day working their butts off who are younger and trying to carve out a career in sports in a in a in an industry that's in contraction right now um and and here he is making it a lot tougher on them too. You know, we've obviously not the victim here. But it's also there's also um, there's uh, there's shrapnel, and it's a shame. So anyway, I mean, listen, I like I said, I always will respect somebody that comes out and owns it, and I'm not surprised by anything that Ron McLean said tonight. No. Um, you know, he's obviously if you met Ron McLean for and you talked to him for five minutes, you'd know that this guy is racked with guilt and feels awful. And sounded sorry, looked sorry, was. Mm-hmm. In front of a camera, yep, and on and, microphone, and not making excuses. He told you what happened and said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better," uh, and that I respect. But uh, boy, and I'm sure management knows that this is probably the lesser of evils, but it's still not a great look right now, and it's a shame. It's a real shame because it brings down everybody else who works their butts off and everybody else who feels like you said so eloquently, Sean, um, othered. That is such a really. That's at the forefront. Yeah, that is the most important part. So anyway, uh, you know, I don't think there's much more to say on that, but we'll uh, we'll move forward here. So let's... You having fun for a show? Yeah, sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's a heavy show for you to be on. <laughs> but I'm glad you were here. I really am. I'm glad yeah. you were here. Because it... it um, you put words uh, in such a way... You're such, you're such a great storyteller, and you say things in a way that we could just never never approach. And I'm so glad you were here because your understanding of it is so much deeper than uh, than any of us could have really offered. I mean that. Do you guys ever like talk about light subjects though? Oh, yeah. Because like, <laughs> if you want to have me back for like one of those, yeah, that'd yeah. be... You ever heard about Steve's yeah. I'd love, I'd love to like <laughs> oh, hang fuck. out maybe one day and talk about like fun things. Yeah, or... yeah. Well, you know what? We'll Nick get... Robertson stole my kayak. We yeah. <laughs> we'll do, um, eating our livers. We'll, yeah. we'll do a quick press conference here and then we'll wrap it up. Unfortunately, heavier show, but that's just what happened. <laughs> um, shout out to the Sens for scoring uh, two goals in four seconds. That was cool. Nice. Um, shout out to the Flames that look like the Leafs West or the Leafs look like the Flames East. Both high-powered offenses who just cannot get it together. Although, the Flames seem to be turning around just a little bit faster than the Leafs are. They played the Blues last night, lost in overtime. I don't know. I think I think they might be back on track. And uh, Robbie Fabry, man. Oh, my God. What a crazy... He gets traded How do from you the Stanley Cup trade? champions. How do you make that trade knowing, A, you're giving away a former first-round pick, and B, the guy on the other end of the phone is Steve Eiserman? <laughs> are you nuts? Are you nuts making that trade? Hilarious that it already looks bad. Yeah. Hilarious and totally predictable. <laughs> if Steve Eisenman calls you. Hang up the phone. Hang up the phone. First of all, 
you you know what he did with Tampa Bay. Second of all, he's on Detroit, so you know he has nothing to give you. <laughs> he has yeah. nothing of value to give you. He took wasn't Della Rosa a Montreal Canadiens player for a bit, and then was yes. sort of like a cast off. He's and... a he's a good GM with a bad team. Hang up the phone. <laughs> what are you doing? That's you usually more like what the show's like. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I get it now. Okay. We haven't even talked about the Oilers yet, which is weird. I know. What do we want to talk about with the Oilers? Oh, we don't. It's just we usually find a way. <laughs> <laughs> they always creep into the show. Yeah. I don't think there's anything. Uh, Ron McLean, by the way, has also tweeted out his apologies as well, so you can check those out. Oh, Let's... on his Twitter that he has and can use. Yes. Let's do the press conference. <laughs> um, this is uh, good timing. Someone on our Reddit said, "Any good book ideas?" <laughs> No. <laughs> Could you recommend a book? Hey, are you? Do you is it out in audiobook? Uh, I, I I don't know. This is my first one. I don't know how any of this stuff works. All I just I wrote it and then I hit send and then it's like, that was it. It's on the shelves and stuff. Okay. All show long, I've been like, does Sean have an audiobook where he is reading the book? Nobody because wants to hear this voice for anything. Long. Why not? They so you get a good voice. Do. No. No, we want to hear uh, you sing it, Sean. Well, I mean, <laughs> wait till you see how many listens and views the show gets. You might change your mind this time. It's, uh, yeah, Before the Lights Go Out, McClellan and Stewart, Division of Penguin Random House, available <laughs> to find bookstores near you. I drew all of the pictures myself. Whoa. So all of the pictures were, were drawn by myself. What? Wow. Yeah. By his own hand. By my own hand. Uh, there are no pictures in the book. Jesse, what else we got? We got an interesting question after our earlier discussion. Someone was wondering after the Giroud slap shot. Oh. They were saying if Chara took a slapper, hit the goalie in the mask, someone got injured, would the NHL scrap the shootout? What do you guys think? If there was a shootout injury. Yeah. Like Chara takes a clapper, injures the goalie, think you think they would scrap the shootout. It was That's Boston against Montreal. Yeah. Like you'd have Chara do it at one end and then like Shea Weber. Like could you imagine being Tuka Rask oh. and Shea Weber comes <sighs> on the circuit? You're like, oh. You like you might make a call to your agent saying like tell my wife I love her, uh, oh, like that. that you God. know it's coming. That's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. I I had an idea in the LFR today because this is now the second straight game where the Leafs have played Philly. It's gone to overtime and Philly took a penalty in the final ten seconds of overtime. Now it didn't matter in the first one because the Leafs took a penalty as well. But in this one, I've seen it suggested. Well, then they should be penalized and they you, you take away their first shooter. I think that's a bit extreme. Here's what I think should happen. Overtime continues. Overtime continues for the duration of the power play. Uh, If they score, overtime's obviously over. If uh, they don't score, play continues until there's a whistle, then it's the shootout. Why can't you go to 10 minutes of three on three rather than five? Because there's absolutely a way. And then because you think of the time that you, you know, there's no scrape anymore. They bring out the shovels. Mm -hmm. But like if you're worried about your time window on TV, like that five minutes... The shootout's got to be five minutes, maybe just Easy. a hair. How yeah. about yeah. Well, eleven round shootout? Right. Yeah. But I, so why don't you go ten minutes, three on three? Somebody's gonna. I score. gotta tell you, I, 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 I think that everybody thinks and looks at that with rose, rose-colored glasses, and I, I respect and appreciate that. But I think the second you make that period longer, they're gonna start playing defensively. They're gonna start playing like Babcock's gonna be out there line matching. and and starting guys that don't need to be, and they're gonna, they are, they are. 100%. I don't think you can. I don't, I think it's you, three on three. There's too much space. At, tell someone in the 80s about the neutral zone trap and they'd be like, you can't do it. Tell someone when it was 15 goals a game. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I feel like the time limit matters. I really do. How I about think. this? 
no offsides at overtime. Oh, yes. Love it. How about that? that? Yes. Now we're talking. It's already barely hockey. Holy. All right. Take yeah. away the offsides. Straight up pond hockey. Straight yeah. three on three, no offsides, 10 minutes. You're basically so I'll playing you challenge. I'll meet point. you in the middle. Oh, it's great. I'll meet oh, you in the middle. And take out penalties. There's no penalties. Ah. Yeah. Either. <laughs> Mascots. <laughs> How about two pucks? Big heads. You're on all of it. All of it. Just make it all legal. Carlton grabs a stick. The commissioner should be Sean Ramjack with EA Sports. No, I, I Carlton was, v. Gritty, who wins last oh, night? Man. Oh, Gritty, but Carlton would shut it down, and then it gets to overtime. It's a finesse game. Carlton wins. Carlton wins. Did you see him do a backflip? I'd watch that overtime. I think I think we just solved it right here. That Jesse's go. idea and yeah, that, that's seven minutes, seven, seven minutes? minutes mascot hockey. Yeah, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, no offsides. Any more? Uh, yeah, uh, what did you guys make of Bettman's comments about the Olympics? Oh, in uh, 20... he said, to be fair, he said, okay, so what he said was they are tremendously disruptive to the NHL schedule, which for those keeping track did not bother him when there was a lockout. Um, and a strike. How far you want to go down this strike. rabbit hole there, Gary? Um, like, uh, the All-Star game is pretty disruptive. You want to go there? Sean. How about sending teams to freaking Sweden, like, in November? Is that not disruptive? Sean, you've written a book on outreach in hockey. Yes. Do you think the NHL needs to be at yes. the Olympics to grow the game? <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you think yes. that, and this yes. is why I asked, do you really think that Gary Bettman and the leadership group there are equipped? Lawyers. Are they equipped <laughs> enough to grow this game now? He's been the head for 25 years unchallenged. At a certain point, though, and they say, they say on average most executives lose their effectiveness at about year five. That's why you see. No, I'm not kidding. There's studies done on this. No, I'm laughing. And he's at your 25, right? Is this is is there a point at which Gary's just doing this for Gary's ego, and and being difficult because he can, over a little bit of money that doesn't matter, that's inconsequential to the NHL? I was just down in South Bend, Indiana, with the family watching the University of Notre Dame uh, beat Virginia Tech in football, and we stayed at uh, we stayed at a hotel in South Bend. Did you meet Rudy? Uh, no. Uh. No, I didn't. <laughs> I but we did watch movie. the movie as a family the uh, other night. Oh, such a well, as we movie. watch it every night. <laughs> um, and the, the NHL existed solely on the <laughs> scroll at the bottom of ESPN. There was not an NHL highlight anywhere. Wow. And there's like 15 ESPN channels. There's, there's the shouting channel. Uh, there's the yelling channel. There's the yelling and shouting channel. <laughs> And then they have college, and then they have uh, the sports center. Right. Yeah. And then they have the yelling sports center. Right. And then um, the yelling college. Yes, the yes. yelling college. And Keith Olbermann somehow is on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, Back for his fifth go round, Keith Olbermann again. Anyway, sorry. And there's no hockey. But, um, you know, there are signs that hockey is growing in certain parts of the United States. Um, University of Illinois, I think, mm. is icing its first uh, collegiate team. Um, because, again, Chicago Blackhawks, the echo boom of their dynasty. Um, Dallas has certain growth. Um, you know, some of these teams, especially in the Southern California, have invested heavily in arenas themselves. And that's sort of caught on. I mean, Nick Robertson is kind of an echo pro product of that. So there are targets that he can point to for growth. It's not growing in Canada. And and more than that, it's it's stagnant as the population continues to grow in Canada. Now, I only have a Bachelor of Applied Arts from Ryerson, and my accounting isn't too good. But if the population of the country continues to go up and the growth stays like this, eventually you're going to, to lose more and more Canadians. That's an issue. And that is not something I don't think Gary Bettman 
is beholden to because he's beholden to the owners, the vast majority of whom are based in the United States. Um, so yeah, from a grassroots level, hockey needs to be at the Olympics because, I mean, we all know what the, the highest watched um, Canadian sports telecast of all time was. It was 2010. And something mm -hmm. like 16.5 million Canadians tuned in to watch Sidney Crosby score in Vancouver. And that which, number's probably low. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so that might be a conservative five. estimate. So that's, yeah. like, that's like half plus the population. And, and Steve was on the ground there. That was the night you almost got arrested, I think. One um, of them. Yes. yes, one of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, like yeah. I mean, it's, so 2022 is in China. The time zone's an issue. Um, who knows when it comes back through here again on a winter uh, schedule. And that is a problem. Like the NHL... They can't make money off the Olympics. And not only that, you're loaning your labor away for free on, on the hope that it does foster growth in these different markets, right? Like, you know, you're loaning away Connor McDavid, and he could come back with a torn ACL. John and, Tavares, and you 2014. Get, yeah, what do you yeah. get back? You get nothing. You lose one of your most dynamic players. And also, if that player is supposed to go deep in the playoffs, they're going to be exhausted because they've just spent three weeks of the most intense hockey that they've probably ever played, right. the best hockey, the hockey everybody in the world wants to watch. But it doesn't do anything for your product. So as a fan, as a Canadian, I would love to see it at the Olympics. Grudgingly, I also see the NHL side. Wow. Grudgingly. Wow. I, I, I want to underscore, bold, italicize, yeah. quotation marks, grudgingly. But in the long term. Is the NHL side going to win them new markets and more money? Because I, I feel like the NHL's view is short-sighted. Yeah, it makes sense for now. You grudgingly see their side and whatever. Okay, fine. But sometimes you've got to have lost leaders. There's a reason that they price milk and bread lower than the market value or about the market value. In, and that's just to get you in the grocery store. Sometimes you got to do the things to get you in the grocery store. And it's not shit? And it's not games in, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not game, a game in Sweden. It's a tournament that means something. It's not the, the, the World Cup with some of Europe and young guys. It's, it's the, you know, an actual World Cup. Yeah, because that's not on teams. prime time in NBC and across the world. Yeah. Your World Cup tournament is not being I'm not being not a contrarian here, but you still see more Team North America jerseys than almost anything else. Right? I true. agree. <laughs> I, not to be a contrarian. It's true. Because one, those were pretty team. awesome jerseys, and two, that was a pretty awesome team. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And they made it all the way to the gold medal. Oh, wait, that was the one team no one gave a shit about. Oh, yeah, Team Some of Europe versus yeah. Canada. Team Great. Some of Europe. There were no. Some of Europe is beautiful at this time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear Slovenia looks great. Dude, there, was one, <laughs> there was like one some of Jersey or some of Europe jersey, and it was the one guy who kept wearing a Slovakia jersey huh? in the stands. Like yeah. there, some Swedes came, Finns came, the North American team really brought attention to the tournament. No one gave a shit about the some of Europe team. No. But, and it was um, a boring championship game. It's like Marion Gabrick and his and Anze no, the championship and the, game was men. good. It was just that it was two games, and the first game it went to right, overtime, right? Yes, it was two games. But they won it in a. It was overtime, correct? Uh, or it was third period goal. Uh, uh, no, Marshan scored. I want to say shorthanded. In like the final minute. Yeah, the final minute. Yeah, I I'm came down to the saying end. you're the only person within six postal codes of where we're sitting who would remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. But I mean, like hockey. Hockey faces more structural issues in terms of growth, and a lot of it is what we've talked about. Mm. It's a very exclusive sport. That's the bigger challenge. If you want to talk about growth of the game, the NHL has to find a way to make it more accessible. And how do you make a game accessible when you need a multi-million dollar building with a frozen sheet of water uh, on the floor 
Like that's not going to happen everywhere. That sounds expensive. ridiculous when you phrase it that way, right? Yeah, that's tough. that's their challenge. And the thing that the NHL, like the ghost of Christmas future here for the NHL, is like Canada's always fueled whatever it is they are in the U.S. Like it, it's been on it's been on the money spent here in Canada. What happens if that starts to go away? Hmm. Then what do you do? Well, and there's what is it? Seventy percent, eighty percent of the players are from here. Like you're talking seven years from now, I think the Sportsnet mega deals uh, done more or less. I, is think that it's, I think we're almost still about seven years to go. It's something like that. Whoa. Yeah, it's like seven years away. They're not even. They might be halfway at the end of the season. I think. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So, like, are they going to get five point two billion again, knowing the media landscape as we know? Well, maybe, maybe not. Who knows, right? But what if they don't? So but what, what if what, what if, if they only got five point two billion not, twelve years after getting five and it's billion. not just it's not just hockey like there there have been stories for years about it's the right but rights bubble bursting for all sports yeah like mm-hmm. that's that's coming so what happens if that happens and then what we're talking about with stagnant participation rates registration rates in Canada also sort of coming in and online at the same time what if those two combine to really hit the NHL where it hurts because if you lose if you lose the avidity here in Canada what do you got what do you got like I'm not like 7.7 million Canadians watch the Toronto Raptors win the win the NBA championship um, that's there a lot be, of Canadians. There will be aftershock of that. 20 this, years from now, we're going to see all the kids come up oh, yeah. who watched it, or 15 years from now, who watched it, who were like, I was a Kawhi, you know, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, right? Serge Ibaka, you so know. So here's something that somebody asked me, or mentioned it to me, we were at the parade, and I'm pretty sure we were both sober, but I, again, I'm not <laughs> sure. It wasn't the parade, sorry, it was the night of, so I took the long walk back to get, so everybody was, after the game, after that you know, it took 30 minutes to figure out if the Raptors won at the end because of all the fouls and the yeah. calls and the reviews. <laughs> Everybody's walking back, and they're like, so the parade tomorrow could be like, your next week could be two or three million people. I mean, yeah, that sounds right. So say the Leafs win in five years. They win the Cup in five years. I'm sorry about this. Say. Whew. Would it be as big? Oof. Would the parade be as big? That's I, a good question. I, yeah. I've been because saying it'll the be... Rap, Jurassic Park is more representative of where we live than and what we're going to be then mm-hmm. Maple Leaf Square. Yep. Yeah. I've said that I think the parade will be as many people, but it'll just last longer. Like, like you'll just see someone set up a tent at like friggin' Front and John, j- just because I don't know. I never thought this moment would ever happen. Uh, it's an interesting based discussion. on all I mean, evidence. I don't think it actually will be bigger. I mean, we'll I never know, know right? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, we will. <laughs> We will know, and it'll seem like there will be more people because I'll be running around in circles, Gerald. Running around with a big sign that says Sean was wrong. How dare you? No, you're right. You're you're right, man. Like it's 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 also we literally can't fit more people than we did. (laughs) Well, there's that too. Hopefully, the best practices will have carried over. But like, so this the whole, whole concept of before the lights go out, like 15 years ago, would that have been possible? No, I would have been laughed out of every ring because, like, of course, hockey is the biggest thing. But, like, I've been really lucky, one, I've, 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 I've had the chance to talk about the project in a lot of different places, but I'm able to talk about the project in a lot of different places. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a book about Canada's frayed tether with hockey. Like, think, like, when we were kids, think about Wouldn't that even discussion. have been a consideration. I feel like you could change a few words and it could easily be a book about the Walkman. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's cumbersome, but uh, you know what? It's the number one thing. And I uh, remember your old c- shitty cassette player, and all of a sudden it's not a thing you, anymore. You know what the NHL feels like to me? And I've had a lot of experience with this in you know being in radio for 12 years and seeing it change. I got into radio right before the, the crash. 
in 08. So I was on the air at the end of 2007, you know, when I was 19 and saw this industry change. And I saw the way that my friends were listening to music and I knew the way I was listening to music and how that was changing and how the record companies were like, nah, it's not going to happen. Now you always need us. <laughs> and they got absolutely like media got slaughtered. Media was traditionally recession proof uh, as a business. Media got slaughtered. And the record companies, which is less publicized, also did too. Uh, because it was a super good time to be halfway through media school. Right. <laughs> and and I feel like the NH the NHL feels to me the way um the way record companies and Metallica reacted to Napster. It's <laughs> like it's like they are they're so not they are so unaware of this undercurrent. Now they could be aware of it, but they're so unaware of what to do about it. And instead of instead of going, okay, here's a plan where we can incorporate this, they're going to fight it every step of the way. That's how, how this feels to me. Here's an interesting, I mean, interesting to me in my twisted brain. So we're sitting here, it's 2019, um, 15 years from now. I'm not going to do the math on what that year is. Sure. 15 years from now. Uh, what does the landscape look like here? So you have hockey, mm -hmm. which is becoming increasingly niche. The grassroots, the pyramid here in Canada, which is the, the breadbasket, is shrinking. Like there's no, there's no denying or debating that. And then you have football, which is by far the biggest sport in North America. But at the grassroots level, it's crumbling. Like it's, it's wasting away. Uh, there was a story in the Times last, uh, last fall about uh, New Jersey, high school football in New Jersey, which is you know, not quite Texas, but was big. Those powerhouses can't field full teams anymore because parents aren't letting their kids play football. Wow. Why? Because of the increasing links between brain-wasting diseases, you know, conditions, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and football. So, you know, there is a, a great piece that Grantland did a couple of years ago about what would the death of football look like. And this was one of the first waves of parents aren't going to let their kids play. Then, then there's going to be legal issues that, you know, Pop Warner coaches and officials are going to get sued because 12-year-olds are showing signs of CTE because you can, you know, in a couple of years be diagnosed with it while you're still living because the tests right now have to be done post-mortem. So in 15 years, what might the sporting landscape be here? Like what, what might be, you know, the dominant sporting story in Canada be? Are we going to be sitting here talking about the Leafs, or will we be? Will this podcast transform into a, a Raptors TFC? Yeah, what or the hell are we, we going to do? Or will, we, or will we all be sitting? Will you guys all be sitting around here talking for two hours about you know the Call of Duty uh, showcase down at Massey Hall because they're packing in and they're charging two hundred dollars a head to go and watch? Yeah, I'm going to be watching the uh, Stanley Cup final between the Toronto How to Hockey's <laughs> and the Columbus Nashers. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. We are we are in a moment here, I think where a lot of the dominant sports leagues are without maybe acknowledging it as much as they should or being aggressive as they should at the risk of really, really losing a precipitous amount of their market share if they don't address structural issues. The NFL is much different and I would argue much more troubling than the NHL. Though yeah. The NHL does yeah. have CTE concerns, but it, it's... I the mean, NFL is inherent. It's like it's, it's, it's almost super, like you play. You need to change game. the fundamental way yes. of the game. Maybe maybe it'll be flag football. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wow. and, and and again, I don't say that dismissively. I mean, maybe it'll just be flag football, and that can be fun to watch too. But like hockey has its own structural issues at its most fundamental levels that have to be addressed, or it will become a niche sport. That is my position. 
Well, Sean, Damn. that was a really uh, fun show. Yeah, Sean, <laughs> Sean I, I want you to know that, that, that when, when you come back... Is there anything right. else depressing that I can Yeah, no, I, I don't want to be sitting it here. It got dark at 4.30 today. That's pretty depressing. I don't yeah. want to yeah. be sitting somewhere at 20 years from now, turning on the TV and someone saying, 20 years ago, Sean, Sean Fitzgerald wrote a book about this, and now we're sitting here, and, oh, we should have listened to him. You know? <laughs> I don't want to be that. a copy of yeah. his book, for God's sake. <laughs> Seriously, buy, buy a two. copy of the book. Can, <laughs> I'm, it I'm can be Kindle. Here. Buy 10. Keep yourself warm this way. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. I was, I'm sitting here and listening to you talk and just going, I'm legitimately listening to an expert. Not at all. Yes, I 100% <laughs> no. am. No. Like, and, and I'm not even necessarily, like, talking... But like hockey, you know, maybe you can take over for certain segments on certain channels. Uh, I'm talking about you're you're an expert through your research on what hockey is becoming in this country. It's just because, I mean, it comes from like it's not an indictment. It's just like it's like Steve. I love you, man, but your life's really going off the rails. You've got to pull yourself together. You're going to be in trouble. Like that's what it is for hockey. Concerned friend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we're going concerned through, love. We're in the hockey bubble right now with our our kids, and it's great. And the problem is, is that a lot of people can't get in the bubble with us because of all of the barriers. That's a really badly mixed metaphor. But, um, like, it, it's such a great thing, and there's so many issues that aren't being addressed as aggressively as they should be. Right. Like, you know, hockey isn't for everyone. As much as we like to say it is, it isn't. And it, you can't blame any one person or any one group. Minor Hockey Association executives or volunteers who are trying their very best but, you know, some of their expertise, like they're not marketing experts. They're not outreach experts. Maybe they don't have ties to communities. Like, they need help. And we have to find a way, you know, as Canadians invested in hockey, to, to try and find solutions. Wow. Well, listen, pick up the book <laughs> one more time before the lights go out by Sean Fitzgerald. A season inside a game on the brink. Uh, Sean, the next time you pop by... Uh, assuming assuming there's no other dark cloud hanging over the show. We can't wait to have a little bit more fun with you because, man, Friday Night Shinny was a blast. And I was like, great, this show's going to be <laughs> awesome. And you said it got dark at 4.30 today. I think it got dark at about 8 o'clock last night on Hockey Night in Canada, and it's hung over the rest of the day. So uh, we apologize for the severity of the show, but I am glad that you were here because you spoke so well on it. So thank you so much for coming in, man, and making time for us. Thanks for having me. on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. Connection complete.